Hey guys, brand new podcast. Thank you for all the love from last week. Everyone who came out to my shows in Denver was like, dude, I love the Dane podcast. Bert, what's up, man? You're killing it in the podcast game. You look skinny as shit. Tom looks fat. You're the tour bus champ. Ooh, are you drinking more water than him? God damn, Bert. You look good. Dang. Body Shots World Tour is almost over for the first leg of the North American Tour part. Ooh. Uh. Uh, this weekend. Milwaukee, Green Bay, and Minneapolis. Nice. I'm so excited. This has been the best thing I've ever done in my life. I'm the happiest I've ever been. Thank you to every single one of you who came up and saw me perform throughout Canada, throughout the Northwest, the Midwest. The South. The South. Uh, Vegas. We are planning a much bigger tour for the fall. I am loving this. I am loving this. It's the funnest I've ever had doing stand-up. Europe starts in April. Yep. Uh, it's there for one week. Stockholm, uh, Denmark, I don't know, by Antwerp, Amsterdam, uh, Baz, London, Glasgow, Dublin. I'm leaving some places out. And then in June, I'm in Australia. I'll be taking some time off this summer and spring, but I'll be at the store most every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, I'll also be at the Improv as much as possible, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, I'm having a blast doing stand-up. Anything else I want to talk about, Leanne? I don't know. I've been meditating. You have? Yeah, but... It's have not, you been levitating? No. I've been meditating. I've been trying to work out. I'm trying to lose weight. <sighs> it's hard, isn't it? It's it really, really is. It really, really is. I, I mean, I... I you know, you look at like really or like sit my 600 pound life mm -hmm. and I go, no, I get it. I get that they, why would they fucking quit? Why would they change now? Thirty six hundred pounds. Who gives a fuck? Well, because they're going to die. Fuck. Who cares? Who gives a fuck? Everybody. That's what cares. I start saying to myself. Ah, oh, geez. Um, it's hard to live without pizza. My wife did a podcast on Wife of the Party about, uh, about getting pregnant. Infertility. Infertility. Mm -hmm. And it is a really great podcast. If you're dealing with infertility, you should check it out. I never really go on Leanne's podcast and just listen to him, but I was I was checking out the way we're, we're you know we're doing those three camera shoots now thanks to Halston's hard work. And I was just checking out the thing and it was really amazing by two really informed women yeah. who obviously went through it. So if you're going through it, check it out. Um, thanks babe. Thanks yeah. for the plug. I appreciate it. Yeah, this podcast is a great podcast. Uh, this what, is what's the name of my podcast? Wife oh, of the Party. Wife of the Party. Oh, go to burperper.com if you want merchandise. Or go to wifeotp.com. Yeah, check out Brian Callen. Bro, you got Brian Callen on next week. Brian Callen's special, Complicated Apes, is streaming right now on just about every platform. You can get it at Apple Apple Movies. Is it Apple? On iTunes. Um, he'll be on the podcast next week. It is a great conversation. I love Brian Callen. This week, we got one of the OGs in the game, Corinne Fisher, part of half of uh, the guys. I, I know I was doing like a dramatic pause. Uh, guys we fucked i was on their podcast once and it was fucking awesome we did it over at i think corinne's house and uh it's a great podcast they literally have been podcasting since day one and are the prototype for for like what we know as like they were like ogs like uh fighter and the kid kind of okay oh they've been doing it for a while they were on rogan they were amazing on rogan but this is a great conversation corinne i'm gonna i'll talk more about corinne in a second i want to thank our sponsors today's podcast is brought to you by butcher box i love having a refrigerator full of meat me There's too nothing more i love in my life i just said to my wife what do you want for dinner tonight barbecue steaks chicken burgers and dogs all of which are filled up in my meat pork chops i said do you want those old world pork chops leanne 
Yeah. Before they took all the fun out of pork. Bring it. Because ButcherBox has it. They got 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork. That's that old world pork with that long strand DNA before they bred out all the fat and flavors to make it the other white meat. Uh-huh. Incredibly convenient. They deliver literally anywhere in the 48 states in here, right to your door on dry ice. The taste is amazing. There's a huge difference in the taste. And it's exclusive, hard to get. Outside of ButcherBox, this kind of meat is hard to find. You got to go to those like expensive supermarkets like Whole Foods, maybe Whole Foods. Maybe, yeah. Or Gelson's. Something like that. And right now, we are announcing a brand new protein, wild sockeye salmon. ButcherBox sources their pure, wild, sustainable, harvested salmon from Bristol Bay, Alaska. You can tell by the color that this salmon is always fresh, never factory farmed. It is amazing what they've done in terms of sustainability with explosive growth of this salmon is remarkable. The entire catch happens over a six-week period over the summer. And after all the breeding beds have been maxed out to ensure... A fantastic catch every year. Right now, new members will get $20 off and free ground beef for life. That is two pounds of free 100% grass-fed ground beef in every order for the lifetime of your subscription, plus $20 off your first box. Do this now. Get this offer and go to butcherbox.com slash Bert. Once again, that is $20 off and free Ground beef for life. That's two pounds of free, 100% grass-fed ground beef in every order for the lifetime of your subscription. Plus $20 off your first box. Get this by going butcherbox.com slash Burt. Butcherbox.com slash Burt. Butcherbox.com slash Burt. This podcast is also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. I met the guys from ZipRecruiter. I love the guys from ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place where you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash BERT. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't just stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find the right people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss out on a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of the employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day through the site. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free, for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash BertCast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash BertCast. ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-R-T-C-A-S-T. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This podcast is also brought to you by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investment app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. This is a great way to start your portfolio, everybody. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all the profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes it easy for newcomers to start investing and for experts alike. 
view easy to understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as 100 most popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio. I mentioned that at the top. This is how you board a, build a portfolio. Discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving my listeners of the BurtCast a free stock. What the hell are you thinking by not getting a free stock? You're passing up your future if you don't do this. They are giving a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you start building your portfolio. All you got to do is sign up at BurtCast.RobinHood.com. That's BurtCast.RobinHood.com. Com. Thank you to all my sponsors. Uh, this podcast is a great one. Uh, today's guest is Corinne Fisher. She is part one half of Guys We Fucked, which was a anti-slut shaming podcast. And this is what I love about comics is that you can talk about just about anything comic to comic and we don't get offended. We, we fucking listen. We argue. We love each other. And, and uh, we talk about slut shaming. We talk about the slut walk. We talk about Amber Rose, who she's met. They've had some of the biggest people in the industry on their podcast. We talk about a lot about that. We talk about um, just about everything. And what I love about what Corinne, and we talk about this a tad bit, is what she's doing is she's putting in the hard work as a comic. She's not just going into these sold-out theaters, doing their, their, their show together with each other, and then just going, all right, I'm making you know high six figures, maybe seven figures on my podcast. I don't need to work. She's putting in the hard work as a comic, and that is why I can't wait to see what happens with her. She is going to be a huge fucking star. I think she was out here for meetings in L.A., ready to blow the fuck up. That's great. Yeah, and I'm just trying to al align myself with people that are feminists. So whenever I get in trouble, they'll just come to my defense. That's the only reason I had her on my podcast. Oh, is that right? I'm joking. Do you anticipate getting in trouble? <laughs> no, Jesus Christ, Leanne. Is it just because of your misogyny and your patriarchy? Is that the problem? I think I think Crin calls me out a little bit on that on this yeah. podcast. Because you are patriarchal and you do have a little bit of misogyny. No, I don't. Yes, you do. You don't. Are you kidding me? We were just in the car. Was it last night or the night before? And you said to Georgia, don't don't like, don't start crying. That's so girl of you. And I went, hold on. She is a girl. Jesus Christ. And she can be a girl if she wants to. Remember that? And you were like, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Don't use your emotions as an excuse. Don't be a girl. <laughs> and I was like, you are, you got to stop right there. This is going to be. Because she is a girl. You're telling be, her not to be should, who she is. It should be noted that we've already redone this read once. <laughs> because it's the same thing. No, that wasn't the same thing. <laughs> well, then you need to stop no. being such a patriarchy misogynist all this kind of talk is what you'll hear on this podcast <laughs> so just listen for it my subtle patriarchy my subtle misogyny uh, all through this subtle. entire is that subtle? it's not subtle at all it's not subtle what'd you put on my shoulder yesterday patriarchy <laughs> i put my dick on your shoulder yeah i was just minding my own business sitting in the chair flipping through a magazine and something flopped on my shoulder and i was like oh okay all right is that a subtle hint i don't uh, think I'm that was subtle but that's not subtle. There's nothing subtle about you. You put your dick on my shoulder. As if to go tap, tap, tap. That's subtle. Aggressive is what I put it in your mouth. <laughs> Which you would meet with aggression in return with a uh, bite. So maybe you did that hold in a on. smart let's, way. Let's, 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 let's just tap, let's pull this back one. Who was the guy the other day that stopped you from giving me a blowjob because of your scar? Is that patriarchy? 
No, that's not patriarchy. It's a sweet husband. That's one moment. Yes, well, you did have one moment of sweet. You had a moment of sweet. Well, if you're a fan of Corinne's <laughs> and you showed up to this podcast to hear Corinne, <laughs> man, you're in for it. You're going to be like, wow, I get a lot of what he's saying. That's how his wife feels about him. He must be biting his tongue. Yeah, right. No, I am, uh, I am half of what Leanne says. No, I don't think you're half. You are a mindless misogynist. That's what happens is you do things like stop being a girl. Like don't throw the softball like a girl. She's a fucking girl. So she will throw us off like a girl because she's a girl. It's kind of that's that's like so <laughs> meathead. It's so meathead though. Uh, that's like me saying, I don't know, don't puff up like a boy. Well, that's what boys do. They puff up. They get all aggressive. Okay. All right. Well, uh, this has been a great <laughs> intro to the podcast. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Don't cry to win a fight. That's so girl. Why don't you cry to win a fight? You fucking stop crying. <laughs> You've said that to me so I many times. You, I said it, I you have said that to Georgia also. I said it in the once kitchen. to Georgia. I said it in once kitchen, to Georgia. And I was the whole time going, this is going to take years of therapy to undo. She will never oh, cry in front of anybody. <coughs> Consequently, she got hit in the mouth with a softball last weekend and refused to cry. Hold on one second. <laughs> just for, ah, got you say, thinking. <laughs> got you thinking, Mr. Misogyny. Got you thinking. And her coach, who's a female, said, it's okay. You can cry. And she wouldn't do it. Hold on. She didn't want to be a girl. I'm sweating right now. <laughs> I, by the way, I, Mr. Misogyny has to drive out to go see her softball game that she doesn't even play in. Because well, she I'm does support braid her. hair a lot. She let me, let me, let me just, let me team. just, let me just tell you. The text, because I now I've gotten shit on all over the place. <laughs> Let me tell you the text I just had with my daughter. You ready for this? Uh-huh. You're getting uh, yogurt like a girl? I did not say that. <laughs> I never said that. Uh, Only girls eat yogurt? I asked styled her at school, and she said, yes. I wrote, I asked styled you. I love you. She went, oh, love you too. She said, are, are you or mom coming to my game? And I went, of course. Is that okay? She went, wait, what? Which one is coming to my game? I said, which one do you want? She said, I don't care. I wrote, me, question mark. She wrote, whoever wants to come. It doesn't matter to me. I wrote, I'm coming. She wrote, okay. Are you sure you want to come? It'll be kind of boring, and it's in Burbank. I wrote, I'm sure. I love you, and I want to support you. She wrote, okay. And I go, at your most boring, you at your most boring is still the best thing I could ever imagine watching. Aww. I'm not a fucking horrible man. You're not a horrible man. I couldn't be married to if you were a horrible man. Yeah, you just painted me like a fucking... Well, you know, there's a definitely a large vein of redneck in me. Yeah. And you still love me. There's a large vein of misogyny in you, and I still love you. Okay, so everyone heard that. <laughs> my wife called me out. So uh, I accept you as you are. My wife publicly shamed me. I love you as you are. Okay, and I hope you guys love me too. And I know you'll love Corinne Fisher. <laughs> Uh, what a great intro to this. It really was a great <laughs> intro to this podcast. Uh, you're going to love it. Ladies and gentlemen, from Guys We Fuck, stand-up comedian, Corinne Fisher. This is Uh, what are you doing out in LA? Um, I was taping like a, a, like a pilot yesterday. That's why I was mainly in town. They flew me out for that. And then I just um, had like a couple meetings. I'm doing two shows at the comedy store tonight. Oh, nice. So, yeah. I mean, like they put me on these lineups. I'm like, it's like me, Russell Peters, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
all the fucking lineups are like that these days. I know. I'm just like, I mean, like, listen, I'm like nine years in. I'm certainly confident in my skills, but I'm not 20 years in. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's insane. I hate the fucking lights in here. Mm-hmm. I really genuinely hate these fucking lights. You do? I oh. think they give me anxiety. They're a little prison celly. I like it, but that's because I like a goth vibe. So. Oh, yeah? Oh, then my daughter Isla would love you. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she's all into... My one daughter's a hippie, and my other daughter's into goth. Okay, yeah. I think goth is more... I, sometimes I feel like goth is a representation of self-esteem. Uh, like high like, or low? <laughs> like low self-esteem. I, th- I feel like it's like cover up your body, hide yourself. Cause, and I'm just it saying that be. between my two daughters mm-hmm. because... Isla is like a sweatshirt wearing, knee-high socks, like cover her body, don't want to show anyone, hides in a sweatshirt, and she get, gravitates towards goth and anime. Right. And Georgia is like, is the complete and total opposite. To me, I more than, I think of it more as like misunderstood. Christina Pajitsky was was like, yeah. I, I say goth, that's probably the wrong... Uh, but like the same goth, like dark makeup, black yeah. makeup. I mean, it is. I was actually just talking in the car and I was like, yeah, the I, you would think the goth scene in New York is bigger, but it's definitely bigger in LA. I really? S- yeah. Mm-hmm. So wait, then what is technically goth? Like, like what is, if you had to define goth, because I'm only going off a seventh grader's view. Yeah, no, I mean, it's more just like, it, it really is. It's very much like you dress like you work at Hot Topic yeah. and you're sad all the time and you go to like Marilyn Manson concerts and call him daddy. I mean, that's <laughs> also what I do. So I try to be a goth adult, but it's a little hard and yeah. you can't be goth on stage unless you're doing like a goth character. And I don't want to be like a goth stand-up comedian. Yeah. Because then it'll be like Molly Shannon on SNL when she, I don't she did a sketch on SNL where she did some kind of like a wayne's world but goth from her basement really and it i mean it's you know it's just comical oh i I remember seeing that yeah yeah i remember that yeah um i uh i'm having regret uh i get i get like um it's not obsessive compulsive but it's like when i do something i regret i then chew on it and beat myself up for it does oh, that I think sense? that's just being a person. <laughs> I, I, would I, love to, OCD, I would love to be a narcissist. I have OCD. Oh, yeah. A lot of comedians do. Um, but I have like, it's even hard to do auditions because I have like little, like my eyes, like little ticks and stuff. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like I just went on tape uh, like a couple of hours ago and I hate it because you can, like in theater acting, you can't really notice if someone has a tick. <laughs> but then on <laughs> film, you're like, why does she, does she just have a seizure or? Oh, if you, if you get me into thinking about a tick, I'll develop it. Tick. right like and that's like the way my brain touching works. stuff a lot like an uh, even amount of times the joke i wrote yesterday two days ago because i didn't my f- watch counts my steps mm-hmm. and i said call me old school i'm ocd i count them myself <laughs> <laughs> we had a friend who would who got me into counting uh how many steps were on a staircase whenever you went there see if it's and oh, so God. and and it was like in apartment buildings and i would be like i just got into the habit of like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, yeah, 12, and then okay, it 12. becomes something that you have to do. Otherwise, something bad's going to happen. I was wondering, this is a really uh, perfect fold into my spin class thoughts today. I was wondering, the teacher said at the very beginning, let go of everything that doesn't serve you. And, uh-huh. I, and as he said that, I heard my brain go, oh, that's everything. <laughs> well, I mean, not your family. No, no, no. But like all the thoughts I have, okay. all the thoughts are all negative and i and i really like yeah well i mean sometimes not all the times i sometimes i don't have any thoughts some sometimes i'll like i like i and i have intrusive thoughts so sometimes like thoughts will just come out of nowhere and i don't want them okay and so um but anyway i was like i was like i wonder if i wonder if at a young age i 
I found a way to not love myself. I found I felt guilty about loving myself. Really? And then I, I developed a mannerism of self-deprecation, but it's internalized. Uh-huh. Of self-deprecating myself and, and beating myself up for things. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, want, I, I haven't been in therapy in a while. And I was like, I should start therapy up while I'm home. Because I'm on tour, so I just doesn't fit. Oh, I do, I do talk space, so I can do it anytime, anywhere. What's talk, what's talk space? Just just skyping into with a therapist, but that's the only same therapist, therapist I've same, ever same had. Therapist? Yeah, for me, that's the only therapist I've ever had because I the only time I had therapy, I started therapy like maybe like a year ago. Yeah. Because I never like I never felt like I needed it. It's because I mean because of this business that I feel like I ne- needed it. Okay, so I was wondering, is mm-hmm. it this business? Is it if I was like a bricklayer, would I be? Would I, I have any negative thoughts? Would I have any like? Like, uh, like almost it sounds silly, but like daddy issues, like of like, of like, say you're in business and someone and the deal may not go through and then you want to get that guy to like you. So the deal goes through and it's like, it's a fucked up way to think. And Mm -hmm. I go, am I in this bit? Is it this business is doing it to me? Um, I think you'd still be you, but I think this business definitely uh, makes everything worse as far as like mental issues or any like body image issues kind of things because you're you're constantly having to look at a reflection of yourself that no one no one else in a non-entertainment business uh, occupation has to do. And you're getting constant feedback on yourself and you don't, and like, especially with social media, you can't, it's harder to be like, well, that person's a fucking loser. <laughs> yeah. You know, you just, cause you're just seeing a, a, a handle saying it to you. So it's just these voices. Yeah. You don't know who the, well, that person that comments and you're like, oh, you're a piece of fat fuck. And you're right. like, and you're like, oh, and then you're like, then you look at their profile. It's private. And you're like, oh, that maybe because they're, they're a fat fuck too. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> that was the craziest thing that happened to me is when we started that fat shaming campaign, me and Tom <laughs> is the, right. um, the amount of people that, uh, that would attack me were all overweight. It was, and, and I, I, they weren't attack. I don't think they were attacking me in a vicious way, mm-hmm. although it was coming out they were le- they were leaving out um, the comedic punctuations in their sentence, mm-hmm. and so their sentence was just coming off as a statement. They thought they were being funny, and I, it was hurting my feelings. And then I was like, and then I had to re- I had to almost give everyone everyone the benefit of the doubt because I was like, I okay, you follow me, yeah, and I see that you probably go some of my shows. I know you're trying to be funny, you're just not doing it right. Yeah, it's the one business where it's like because. No one does that in sports, you know, because we're comedians, they throw them back at us, but they're not good at it. Well, because everyone's like made someone laugh at a dinner party. So everyone thinks they can be a comedian. That's a problem. Everyone thinks they can be a comedian. That's why people put their feet on the stage when they're done with a basket of fries. They'll place it on. That doesn't happen at Hamilton on Broadway. You know, it's just because because it feels like something that is very accessible, which is one of my favorite things about comedy. It's like one of the most accessible arts for anyone from any background, from any financial status. Like we all there. Every culture has a comedy but it's also because it feels so relatable people also think they can do it and then we get no respect <laughs> yeah it, it's amazing that how many people think they can they can do it yeah and by the way i was one of those people well but you can do it that, 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 and that's and that's the problem because every you know for every <laughs> this is the problem 500 a thousand people who think that they can do it one of them actually can and then it starts all over again it's like when someone like falsely uh accuses someone of rape and then we just then women just start from one you know that's that's been, back that's, to one <laughs> that's the craziest fucking thing is yeah. that is those false accusations then 
quantify every guy that's like i need proof yeah and that's and that's the same thing with people who think they can be comedians because <laughs> every now and again someone is funny who you didn't expect to be funny i went to a comedy club when i first got in, before i was even in the business and i was like i could do this mm-hmm. and uh and i was a, i heckled and i destroyed oh you heckled i know nice. i really regret it wow i really regret it now i had no i had i was like i think it's part of being a, a man is this bachelor like the world revolves around me. If I cheat on her, who gives a fuck? This girl's hotter. It's that. It's I'm, I love Ari Shavir to death, but it's the frustrating thing about Ari is that Ari lives in a world that all he really has to take care of is Ari Shafir. Mm-hmm. So sometimes he's like a fucking freight train going through life. Where you're like, I just can't drop everything and motorcycle the Ho Chi Minh Trail, Ari. Right. Like that's not. I, that's not going to happen. I have a fucking family I have to take care of. And he's yeah. like, Just do it. Just do it. Tell everyone you're going away. Who cares? You go on the road. It's the same thing. And you're like, No, it's not the same thing. But I was in the front row of a comedy club in Tallahassee. I forget the name of it. And the guy's punchline was, "It's a styrofoam cooler." They were talking about floating or mm-hmm. something on a river, and he hit the punchline. It's a styrofoam cooler and nothing laughed. And he waited and he kind of looked confused (laughs) and, and no one's still laughing. And I was with my buddy Eddie and I just went, Oh, a styrofoam cooler. And the place went fucking nuts. And this guy looked at me like, like steel beams shooting out of his eye. Just. And he probably still thinks about you to this day. I I I hope I wish he knew, I wish I knew the joke better so I could really find out because you know us we'll know everyone's joke. Yeah, I was gonna say I was like if you could find out who it was or like go back to, in time for the records of the Tallahassee Comedy Club for that yeah. weekend. But uh, but yeah, there's there is a weird thing that everyone thinks they can do it. Hmm. What's what's going on in New York? New York seems like there's been a, a wokeness. Oh gosh, Wait, there is there not here? No, nah, I mean not really? not in see. I, I think I mean I I'm I, once again I'm speaking out of my ass but I think Louis divided the lines mm-hmm. and I think uh, it seems I'm not in New York but all I see is like a, a posts of from New York comics that are very woke our alt scene I guess is like that but we, no one no one's really there <laughs> like not to be shitty about the alt scene but it's just no not, it's just funny it, it was it was huge in like right. 2008 the alt scene was fucking everything yeah and then um and then. When comedy had its boom, a lot of the really good alt performers just wanted to work also. Mm-hmm. And so they'd work the store. Now, now, now that I think the shift has changed, the store is very popular. The improv is really popular. The ice house is very popular. Yeah. And I think, I think the cream rises to the top. I think the, I'm not shit. I mean, I, it comes out like I'm shitting on the alt scene. I'm not. And I'm sure there's a wokeness there. I'm, but in a weird way, we have, you accept it when you go to the UCB or you accept it when you go to Meltdown. You're like, yeah. well, I definitely don't say fat chick. Like, right. or I don't say, I mean, I, I'm trying to think. Or you do, and then you, but you just mentally prepare yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, meltdown. You're like, no, I get it. I get what's, I get what we're. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I, I sometimes I know jokes that aren't aren't going to do well in certain rooms, but I, and I go, do I not do them and cater to the room, or do I do my set the way I want to do them and make them fucking deal with it, even if I bomb? And I and I usually try to challenge myself and do this like this. Like, there are jokes that I know that are going to get me in a fight with someone who's like wearing like a vintage Trader Joe's T-shirt afterwards, yes. and I, I do it anyway. This guy went up last night, <laughs> and he was like, he's a white guy, mm-hmm. and he was like, he was doing Kill Tony, and okay, he, and he was like, he was like, what's up? He's like, I think we're done with white people. He's a white guy. 
I think we're done with oh, white Oh, well, only a white person would say that. Yeah. I think we're done with white people. We There's enough of them. I'm not going to have kids. So I'm not going to make more white people. Oh, my God. And I stopped him. I didn't stop him. He got let him get done. And then I said, I want to flame throw the room that that joke works in. Mm-hmm. I want to lock the doors like dirt, like a dirty, what's the... Inglorious bastards and torch the fucking room that that show works in. I said Mexicans in this room are looking at you like you're a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. I was like that. How? What the fuck? No one would rightfully say my race is done. Who? Right. What the fuck? That you? You would never say that. If a black guy said that, you'd be like, what the fuck? Right. If anyone, it was. It's, it's such a weird energy that i'm seeing it feels like young comics are doing yeah see i actually didn't i would i was i'm kind of like walking into i haven't done shows in la i mean in in i guess like six months probably um and so i was walking into the shows tonight thinking like i have to be prepared for kind of a i, I don't usually say woke but like a wokeness oh, no, i don't no, think no. I, don't, I was like i don't think white people speaking of us are allowed to um but yeah i mean it's definitely super sensitive there's a whole list of words that you can't say and but i mean it's very weird because you'll think like oh i'm doing a room in brooklyn i can't say x y and z but then sometimes it'll surprise you and then you actually can't say those things on the lower east side so it's like you're traveling three miles and people's whole mindset is different and then of course tourists don't give a shit so you're doing clubs they don't care and in fact sometimes you know comics are walking into a room and because they're in new york they think oh everyone here voted uh you know for hillary not trump and people are heckling things because they're visiting from the midwest and they did vote for trump yeah and because you know there's that you know new york especially pretentious vibe where we just assume like everyone's on our page and everyone thought the way, you know, thinks the way we LA's, do. LA's got that too. Mm-hmm. We've got that too. Not so much at the store. I think the stores, for lack of better words, is pretty middle of the country, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that the acts that work there would work anywhere. I yeah. don't, I don't, you, you can say, I mean, you, listen, I've said the N word at the store. I mean, I, I mean, like, how'd that go for you? Good. It's yeah, good, it's a good joke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's yeah. as long as it's. Then it's that's if argument. it's a joke, if it's a joke, like I like, I actually had a couple of black comics. I was talking about the joke, and I said, "We'll just try it." And I said, "All right, I'll, I'll try it. Tell me what you think." I did it in the belly room. Yeah. And it killed, and they were like, "I think it's a great fucking joke." But you're also you, so it's like, would you do that before you are like you, Bert Kreischer? Oh, I was ten times worse. <laughs> I was horrific. I was because I my, I was on a race to be edgy. Mm. I wanted to be the edgiest guy in the fucking room. I thought that was what got you points. Okay. I thought that's how you succeeded was being the edgiest motherfucker in the room. And then when did you start taking your shirt off? Uh, back then. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, back then. Back then. Um, probably nine years ago. More than that. It's longer than I've had my podcast. Probably nine, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. But. I, what happened to me is I worked at Travel Channel and uh, and I I got conscious of what I was saying because I could get fired. Right. And and if and I would I was one and and I was wondering like why am I saying certain things? I I didn't like wake up, but I was just like and at the time it's like all my friends were kind of like oh, they're all blowing up and and they were all going edgy like mm-hmm. like. Burr and Rogan and Ari and Joey and Tom are all very edgy comics. Not to say that I'm not edgy, but I think I do it in a different manner. I mm-hmm. think I talk more about stories and my life, and I don't really go at like, like for me. I was just talking to uh, Rogan about this. Like, 
I wanted to write a bit on veganism, mm-hmm. but everyone's got their bit on veganism. Mm-hmm. Everyone does. And so what would separate me from it? So I went vegan and I was like, I'm going to see what it's like to go vegan. And then I'll write from that perspective. That's how I approach material now is a little more introspective as opposed to very Stanislavski of you. Well, it's not, but I, but it, I do that with everything. Like yeah. for like any stories about my family, it's always something we did together. Right. Um, any stories about it, everything for me is very internal. And also, it's like, I don't think anyone really gives a fuck about my hot take on politics, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's, that's, that's like not what you're known for. So, yeah. it, and you don't, everyone doesn't have to cover everything. I didn't even have a dr- joke about Donald Trump until like a month ago. And it's just because it actually finally felt right for me to say yeah. something. Because again, that's like not what people are coming to me for. They're coming to me for like social issues, feminism, you know. And I love to, I just as much as I love to celebrate those things, I love to tear them down because I'm like, this, the whole problem is that no one wants to be a feminist because it's fucking terribly branded. Yeah. And it seems repulsive and not fun and like everyone's a stick in the mud so that's kind of like why i care so much about it because the actual notion is great but you gotta you gotta sell it we're in america you gotta sell it feminism's a a pretty badass movement to be behind yeah and and if you're doing it right but then you start screen printing it on forever 21 t-shirts and making pussy hats and then everyone's like oh this isn't this isn't good yeah like it's almost like you made it it's like you made it dorky (laughs) Yeah. And it's not dorky. It's empowering and phenomenal and important. It's really important. I, yeah. I watch, I mean, I watch, and I know that this is one of those buzz things when a man says, I have two daughters and mm-hmm. references feminism in that way. But I watched the path that my daughters are getting to take in life, realizing if it wasn't for badass women, mm-hmm. their their life would be different. And I go, why wouldn't I support any movement that made anyone's life better? That's all I want is anyone to be as happy as I am, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, like I'm a, I, I was, being a white male is pretty, like not all white males. Right. But my path in life has been pretty cake. Right. I, and I'm aware of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to call it privilege, although I would, but like it's been. Do you I've feel my, guilty about that though? No, I feel no guilt. Okay. Because it's interesting because I've had a really nice life too, especially for, and, and for me, I didn't, I didn't really notice that until I became a comedian. Uh, because I thought everyone just, I didn't, I thought like it was few, few people who were traumatized or had really bad childhoods. And like, those were the stories that we heard. But then I was like, oh no, mostly everyone has experienced some kind of trauma or has issues with their parents. And I am the weird one out for not. And that's why the way people like, I get a lot of people give me a lot of shit because they think I'm like hiding something. And I'm like, no, no, no. I just (laughs) had a nice childhood. And I also don't know why I am a comedian now. Because I mean, for me, the reason I'm a comedian is like my dad owned a baseball card store. It still does uh, growing up. And he would come home and tell these really funny stories about his customers. And I would laugh to the point where I had to excuse myself from the dinner table because I was going to choke. And I was like, <laughs> like I had a roll. I remember rolling around in the den to like get the laugh out. Because, you know, like when the laugh becomes so painful. Oh, yeah. Like I just can't even handle this feeling anymore. And I... I, my memory just remembered like that's the that's the highest you ever felt and wouldn't it be nice to make yourself laugh and then make, and make other people feel like that all the time yeah and that's the only reason it's not like my mom fingered me you know like and I feel like most people have that reason and like my mom totally didn't finger me you know <laughs> I'd have already I'd be much more popular if my mom did probably I I but I I think it's okay 
I don't think you, I think it, yeah, you being broken is a way to be a comedian. I'm sure I'm broken in some way. I'm certain of it. I don't know what it is. I'm broken because I became a comedian. Yeah. I should have just been an accountant. <laughs> Everything would be fine. I, I often think, I, I remember the first time I made myself laugh. Yeah. Like legit made myself giggle. I was always funny, I think. Yeah. And I could always say funny things and they, they would always surprise me that I was like, Whoa, where did that come from? Right. But I remember squirrels you hear that that's squirrels yeah they're running on my roof they sound heavy yeah 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 oh um and so i remember the first time i made myself laugh i was walking out of an english class i had, i think i had been to russia already and i had discovered that i wanted i met the state over in greece oh wow and i and i decided at that moment i was funny with the mafia i was funny with the with everyone that I met backpacking through Europe, oh, and I was like, I was like, I bet I could be a comedian. I could make people laugh. Yeah. And then I was like, so what? What like when you do a comedian, you just get on stage and how do you do that? You got to think of the thoughts first. Mm -hmm. And I I remember sitting in an English class, and we were supposed to be writing a story, and I was like, I think I'm gonna try to write a funny story. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a story that made me laugh. And I remember walking to my car, uh, by the bookstore over over near the Tridelt House, and uh, over on that street. And I, I'm sure it's moved by now, but I remember making myself laugh out loud and I about this about ideas. And I went, fuck, I like that a lot. I go, why wouldn't I live a life where I can make myself laugh? And I remember asking other people, can you make yourself laugh? And they're like, what? Really? Yeah. I remember like, oh, God, I make myself laugh all the time. Oh, yeah. But I was I, I would always say this is generational, but I was old, I'm older than you. I'm 46. Mm -hmm. And there was for guys there was a real sincere weakness in anything artistic or anything creative for guys that i knew it was about being a bro even being funny because i feel like being funny has be, always felt male you could be funny you could be funny mm -hmm. with the group but if you said you were funny or you said you wanted to be a comedian they shut you down okay right, bro to then do you're not show. fucking you're we're all fucking funny you're not funny right to say I want to stand out. I want to be a comedian was not allowed. However, mm. when when we had like some sort of event, they go, Bert, get on stage and make everyone laugh. And I'd go up and I mean, my go-to, I'd always bring a guitar with me. And my go-to was uh, the lead singer of the B-52s singing Jane's Says by Jane's Addiction. <laughs> Jane Says. I and didn't know you were a guitar. Uh, yeah, a guitar. I was a guitar. A time. I, was a, I was a guitar. Do you like how I'm just morphed this into a conversation about me? Um, this is my podcast. This is exactly what I fucking do. You can do whatever you want. I did notice, but you yeah. know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you like it to work. I, I, would, I would rather it be. I like conversation podcasts that are a conversation <laughs> anything to interviewee which we'll get to because i do want to talk about your podcast yeah. i do want to talk about your childhood but um but i took a guitar with me on stage one time mm -hmm. one time as a professional comedian meaning like i'd done an open mic and then the next time i brought a guitar on that guitar right there it's got a sticker if you see it, it's got an old new york uh subway sticker on it yeah. so I brought it on stage. I put it up against at the Boston Comedy Club up against the fireplace or the mantle. Mm -hmm. And I started doing my jokes. And all anyone did was stare at the guitar. I remember the whole Yeah, room. once it's there, we, we, we can't wait till you pick it up. Yeah, it's like a chick not wearing a bra on stage, <laughs> which I mentioned last night and I feel bad about. What? Oh, someone wasn't wearing a bra and you I said, I said, well, why don't you just talk about not wearing a bra? Because that's all I'm looking at. Like, And, and then she, I think she was offended. And I was like, yeah, but... There is a there is a format to how this works. Like if if you can see my dick through my pants, right, people will be looking at my dick. Right. Like, 
it's you're not it's hard to look past it's listen i mean and sometimes i feel like i'm like am i I just getting old because i was interviewing someone for a job like on our staff and she came not wearing a bra and then after she left we like looked at each other and we're just like you gotta wear a bra to an interview and listen i have small tits i i love not wearing a bra when i perform i always do but like Unless it's like a bodysuit, but like you have to look in the mirror and be like, is this at a point distracting? I just feel like I don't have to wear a bra lot because if God wanted me to wear a bra, he should have given me bigger tits. Yeah. Like it's just rude and they're not going to hang. They're not going anywhere <laughs> at a certain point. Like it's irritating. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're humans yeah. and it doesn't make you like a, a like a part of the me, too, like a me too movement to look oh. at someone's tits. I look at people's tits and butts all the time and yeah. I'm like pretty, pretty straight. It's it was it just is. It's part of the fact. It's mm-hmm. like. I remember a comic, I won't say her name, said she did a she did a post on Instagram and she wasn't wearing a bra on it and her she, she did a post on Instagram and her numbers went through the roof. I said, yeah. your numbers went through the roof because you weren't wearing a bra. She was like, what? I said, that's why I watched it a couple times. I noticed that you weren't wearing a bra. <laughs> you I go, checked I, it actually, out a couple times. I go, I actually don't know what you said in the post. Right. All I know is that you clearly weren't wearing a bra. I said, that's what sells. And she was like, huh? Wait, like, is this a famous comic? Because mm-hmm. I think I know I know exactly the post you're talking about. <laughs> and I and I in my mind I'm going, she's gotta know. She she's gotta know what yeah, she's yeah, doing. Yeah. I think yeah, let's change the subject so that person <laughs> doesn't know we're talking about them. But but yeah, like clearly like there there's a part of that that works, you know? Right. Like I mean, I liked it. Yeah. I don't even know what it said. <laughs> I do, but yeah, I'm a girl though. But but um but yeah, the the guitar was like not wearing a bra on stage, mm-hmm. and that's all anyone looked at. And I was like, "Oh, they're not listening to me. They're looking at the guitar." Right. Pulled the guitar up, and by the time I brought the guitar up, they were so ready for the guitar that they were let down. Mm-hmm. And so I got, I had bombed. It's the hardest I've ever bombed in my life. It was, but, but it was because I was new and I had no way to get out of it. And sometimes now you can blame it on a bunch of other factors, but it was just definite bombing. It's my second time, third time on stage. And I got in the car and my cousin and my sister wouldn't look at me. They were so embarrassed. Aww. It was that bad. And they, instead of looking at me, they peeled off that sticker in the cab and put it on my guitar case. And they just kind of occupied themselves. And I was like, I've, I've never taken that guitar on stage ever fucking again. Oh, my God. It's something that is, for me, it's like I'm more comfortable bombing than watching someone I love bomb. I'd rather bomb every time. I'd rather bomb. I don't mind a good bomb me too i find like it's a skill and like the first time i was able to bomb and like enjoy it i was like this is a you've reached a new level in your career because you're 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 comfortable bombing now i think it's like funny and like i'll just continue digging the ditch because most times when i'm bombing i have a problem like i'll get i get angry at the audience and there's a fine line between like because my like who i am is kind of and like an angry comic but it's like a it's it's not when i get too angry then it becomes not fun for anyone so it's like a very fine line between funny and like everyone's scared and no one's gonna laugh anymore i've lost it on audiences yeah yeah that's funny especially because of your your onstage persona like you're so fun and it's it was when i was younger and i was trying to be edgy and if a joke didn't work i'd just go oh come on lighten up like yeah in, in my head i'd be like oh come on yeah i remember i had a joke there was um a bunch of Swedish people in the audience. That was the number one problem right there. <laughs> is the, the English wasn't their first language, but they were all blonde hair, blue eyes. There was like 10 of them, blonde mm-hmm. hair, blue eyes. And I said, um, I made a comment. The joke The joke was, uh, and this is, it's interesting too, because now I'm almost defensive of like, of these types of jokes. Cause I go, only cause I go, don't, 
if someone, as a comic, if someone bought tickets to come see me, I don't want them to feel shitty. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to leave feeling shitty. No, but no, no, no. Yeah, like, um, but the joke was, uh, how confusing do you think Asian Facebook is? Like trying to tag yourself in a photo. Like, is that me? No, that's not me. Is that, wait, is that my right. mom? And they didn't laugh. Right. And I said, and I go, oh, it's just a joke. Like, and they're like, it's not right. And I mm-hmm. went, what do you mean it's not right? And they go, not all Asian people look like. I said, well, no, it's, I, you're right, but they all have the same color hair. It's like, uh-huh. with all you blonde people, I'm sure I get Sven and Jorge or Jorge or whatever mixed up. And they're like, we don't have the same color hair. I go, you definitely have the same. And I, that's where I, where I go. Yeah. That's where I spiraled out hard as fuck. Because mm-hmm. I was like, no, now you're arguing to argue. And you're going to be right because I'm on stage and I'm being defensive. And I was like, you have identically the same color hair and you have both have blue eyes. Yeah. I go, hold on one second. All we're saying is, we're, and I'm defending a semi, it's just a joke. Yeah. I mean, it's like, we all like, I, I, you can digest it. But they also like, if you just come ready to like get upset about anything. And, and I, there is also a thing that I noticed where I think people from other countries come with that same, like the way there's like a coastal elitism. There's also an elitism from countries that aren't America, because even we, though we think we're the bomb, like they think we're very uncultured, not, we don't travel. Which, I mean, which is parts of those are very true. very true. And so with things like race or culture jokes, and they know like the, we have such a racism problem with this country they just like really like are kind of like repulsed by it Wait, where did you grow up i'm from new jersey but i've lived in Man- uh, manhattan for like 15 years now really so mm-hmm. wait, when did you move to Manhattan? Like uh, when I was seventeen. Yeah, yeah, because I went to college. I moved there to, for college. I have a late birthday, and then I just never left. Where did you go to college? SVA School of Visual Arts. Oh, really? I have a BFA in film directing. Yeah. So BFA, best fucking... Bachelor of Fine Arts. Oh, yeah. Bachelor of Fine Arts. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I don't even know what I have from college. <laughs> yeah, well, because most people have a BA if you went to a four-year school, and you know, you just you know, I. I BFA is just like yeah I'm like cool I'm like chic <laughs> so you you moved to New York at 17 mm-hmm. how fucking scary is that it was scary but I mean coming from New Jersey it was a little less scary because I had been there so many times to see like concerts or Broadway shows with my parents and my parents were very into the arts really? in um like not in a hippie dippy Lena Dunham parent kind of way but just in a like we loved celebrities it was not looked down upon it was looked up upon it was uh my mom's like a huge country music fan had been like a big is a big Emmy Lou Harris fan would like write her letters and go to her concert like they're friends now really yeah my family's really good at stock like one of the first things I did was a one woman show on stalking but it's because my family is so fucking good at stalking that we get people to be our friends because like we're I guess we play it smart enough that it doesn't seem creepy. And then now, now I have your phone number. Like I did it to my favorite singer too. I just stalked him until we're friends now. So who's your favorite singer? My, my favorite singer is Dan Byrne. Uh, he's like a, he's a folk singer. He's kind of like in the, like Ani DeFranco family. By the way, I went through a huge Ani DeFranco stage. Yeah. I was obsessed with Ani DeFranco. You might like Dan. Like it's my goal in life to get everyone listening to Dan Byrne. I've always been turned on by aggressive feminist chicks. Okay. Leaning lesbian. Okay. Like, that's always been my hell yeah my comfort zone of like artistically what I like. I'm a, one of my favorite comics 
across the board is Janine Garofalo. Oh my God. I watched her thir- the 30 minute, uh, the HBO, I guess, where she's wearing the, the, the white t-shirt, yep. the black. And I, I hadn't seen that in so long. And then we interviewed her on Guys We Fucked. And I went back and watched that. And I go, holy shit, Corinne. Like, this is where you were. Because I always was like, what comic really inspired me? And I, and I go, it was this. This was in your fucking back of your mind the it's whole time. Inspired from when you were, like, me too. Kid. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I just always remember. I always think about the line where she's walking through the park parking lot. And the, some father and son. And the father's like ogling some like hot blonde. And she's like, oh, just just ogle me. You know, things outside of the box and I'm just like that's exactly my entire fucking mindset <laughs> yeah. I don't think of myself as less attractive I'm like yeah just fucking be more interesting with who you want to fuck yeah and I was like this is it and I, I mean god how many times have I worn like tights under shorts everyone that's Sarah Silverman too though no that but that was Janine Janine first yeah I had one of my favorite Janine moments uh I've, I, I've had a crush on her since I ever saw her Probably in Reality her. Bites Back was the first thing I saw her in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who's that chick? Yeah. Like, there's just something cool about her. Like you want to take a bong rip and, and chill and get her to show you about her favorite movies and you listen. And like, I don't know. That's the cool thing about like, I, I always dated bimbos too. And so like. Really? Why? Because yeah, I, it's visually what I was attracted to. Okay. and But it didn't stimulate me creatively. And then mm-hmm. the flip side was the Janine's. I'd argue my wife's a mix between. I mean, she kind of looks a little bit like Janine. Like she's got that the sun, wears the glasses and dark hair, mm-hmm. fair skinned. But uh, but that special was fucking. That made me laugh so hard. It's so good and it really holds up. Because sometimes I, I watch things back, even like a Kathy Griffin. I'll watch back because I was like, oh, it's so topical. It's all about a celebrity. Will this uh, hold up? And they really did for me. Kathy breaks my heart. Yeah, how so? Because I. I feel sad for her for where she is right now in life. I, it's there's really? no, yeah, because because I I was a huge Kathy Griffin fan. Yeah, I mean she's I mean for for me like her work ethic and I also relate to her a lot because she's someone who just like she's like doesn't things don't come easy to her but she just worked really hard and she, yeah besides like the thing the weird thing with her brother like other than that she had a pretty easy or normal I don't want to say yeah. easy like a regular upbringing I worked with her in, in Houston one time uh-huh. I just loved her I, I loved her I've always I've always gotten a kick out of her me too I, she, li- I like her she's aggressive but I think the thing the thing that's bothering me a little bit is like I don't know when she docks those kids I was like that I was like come on wait wait where? she asked to those kids those Covington kids to get doxed oh and you're just like Kathy like yeah come on that's not I mean, I guess that's who she is, but that's not who I think. It's like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't it, boy, I I'll tell you what, 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 yeah. bro, what bums me out is that she got, I mean, she got r- like run through the ringer with that head picture. Well, did you actually, okay. So after that, she went on tour and, yeah. and I was, I was, and I was, I think I was in Australia uh-huh. when she was coming into Australia and I was, I saw her banner. I was like, fuck yeah, Kathy, get the fuck back out here. Did like, you see the show though? No. It- okay. So I saw the show and I had three hours. I saw it in New York city when it came through and I was really, I had heard the show was going to be like three hours. So I was mentally prepared for that. And I'm just like, what the fuck is like, this going to be, is going to be funny. Number one, it was great. I, f- I felt like I was there for 90 minutes. Like yeah. I, really really did not 
mean to look at my watch one time. Yeah. Um, but just, he, anyway, it was funny, but like hearing the story, I, I think the general public doesn't know how much the government got involved. I mean, she was being, I would inv- be curious to she know. She was being investigated on a level that, she, that, she, that you would think she was an international spy. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was so beyond. And so it's aggravating as an American citizen that our tax dollars are being spent on investigating Kathy Griffin. So frustrating mm-hmm. to think. From yeah. one stupid fucking picture. Right. This should have just gotten everyone to go, you know, thumbs down, uh, no heart, no retweet. Right. What the fuck, Kathy? And yeah. then I, I'm I'm interested in her comeback to there. It's just like, I, I, part of me, I, I had to unfollow her because I was just like, I was like, it. I get it. But I bet what happened is that, it, that incident she had probably made her so fucking crazy. Yeah. And like... And like introverted of like who else is coming after me? Yeah, of like I had to go up with on the defenses. It's it was it was really scary. And then as a comedian, I mean, we're living in a world where you know one tweet can ruin something you've worked a decade for. Yeah. So it's like imagine. I mean, what happened to her was just that you know a, a tweet gone wrong, amped up to a legal internet like a, a national security it's level. Fucking, it's and it's not. It's I don't think that should it it shouldn't happen that way. Mm-mm. You could you can't take one picture. And then that ruins your life. Well, and there's other people too who who did similar things with Donald Trump. Like uh, people uh, brought. There's a Marilyn Manson video. The Marilyn Manson showed me the video. Yeah. The day before the election of. Oh wait, we're gonna stop right here. You know Marilyn Manson? Yeah. Oh. You mean Brian? <laughs> okay, we're gonna have to talk about that, and I, I would love to talk about anything else. He's but... at the store all the time. <sighs> what? Yeah. Okay, so I met him this summer. I paid five hundred dollars <laughs> to go on his tour bus and meet him for three minutes, and I would have paid five thousand, and. I am still horny about it. Like I had to put the Polaroid away because I get so horny when I look at it. Shut up. Though I fucking love Marilyn Manson so hard. Really? Like, oh my God. Yeah. I I was on a plane when the tickets went on sale and my best friend, like I got off the plane and I have all these text messages. He's like, Marilyn Manson's going to be in New Jersey and he's doing a meet and greet and it's $500. I already got us the ticket. So even if you don't want to go, we're going. Oh, <laughs> like, of course yeah. I want to go. What if I have his number? Of course I want to go. I met him with Stanhope. Stanhope's really good friends with him. Oh, Oh my God. I, yeah. I mean, we had a great, I made him laugh that I felt like a very, I was very proud of myself. I'm going to see if I got his number. Holy. Tell him to come down to the store tonight. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm dating someone who, who knows him. It was at his birthday party. So uh, we can make this, we can make this all come together. Oh God. Uh, I don't have his number. He was, he was at the end of the world podcast we did. God, it's so fascinating to me. Who knows who and like what what celebrities love comedy? Because like oh, Justin Bieber, Marilyn Manson's a big comedy fan. Or, well, yeah, he, he has a really he has a really good sense of humor. I could tell, and you know he's he has that outcast mentality. Always has. Yeah. So I mean that just fits into. He showed me the video in the in the um, what you would call it of him murdering Trump. Right. Yeah. And then and then uh, I think Snoop Dogg or there was a rapper who had a video of him uh-huh. murdering Trump. It was amazing that they got passes. Or maybe that you know maybe it's one of those things that no one gives a fuck. They go, that's what Marilyn Manson does. Well, I also I think at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know that Trump is gonna go like gonna have, pick a fight with Marilyn Manson. Yeah, that's that's a tough fight. I mean, I yeah, think yeah. I guess he looked at Kathy Griffin. And he's like, this is a fight. I think I could win. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what you—that's what you do when you're a bully. So it's like you know, I'm a weirdo too. But the reason I never got bullied in high school was literally like the first time someone tried to do it, I go okay, and then they go, oh, well, this isn't fun, and also this girl might reaction. put a hex on me with her eyes. Yeah. So that's what you do. You just be really weird. I would be curious to see Kathy do 
stand up and and I hear about that experience. Mm-hmm. I just online. I, I there's so much. It's so it's all, online has gotten so polarizing. Well, the thing is, it's it's difficult too because like you kind of get shit if you are not socially like socially or politically involved because it's such a tumultuous time in the country but then it's very hard to be running an account where you're trying to be funny and then also sometimes want to post about like voting and i i mean i go through obviously like on a kathy griffin level but like i as just to be a fucking asshole started marking things like asterisk serious post asterisk joke really fucking asshole because i'm like you guys like you know what i'm fucking joking i made a, a joke about jordan wood who was the girl who uh, like hooked up with uh, Tristan Thompson, who is Khloe Kardashian's baby daddy. Again, like you're looking at me like I'm talking a different language and that's how everyone should look at me. But I just like, it's just a a joke I made. There's a a running gag on like guys we fucked that uh, if people disrespect me, I'm going to fuck their boyfriends. And so I just made a joke about that (laughs) because I really spiraled one day and people were being very rude and I was like, I'm going to give them people yeast infections because, you know, dicks can carry that. Like I'm going to go I'm going to stalk you I'm going to fly to the town you're in Because I have too much money uh, For the <laughs> amount of family I have Which is none And I'm going to fuck your boyfriend And then so it just became a running a running thing And I like posted a picture of Jordan Woods And I was like you know The face you make when you fuck someone's boyfriend And you end up fucking yourself Like not even I didn't even think it was that It was like a literally just a, a throwaway comment didn't even think of, people were either dying laughing like it was the funniest thing anyone's ever said or like savage and like because I tagged her in it I'm like this woman has like a mil- million plus followers and also it's clearly a joke yeah and like you're a slur you're a slut shaming you're the face of anti-slut shaming and I'm like number one slut shaming like cheating and being a slut are different things because people try to use like being immoral and being a slut interchangeably and that's yeah. the whole fucking problem yeah. they are not like y- you can be a slut you you can separately you can be immoral separately or you can be an immoral slut but just because you're a slut doesn't make you immoral and like so you shouldn't be cheating you shouldn't yeah. be hooking up with people people's boyfriends or baby daddies or whatever you know if they're not they're previously taken i mean it's the, it's he's the a garbage hard, bag too but i don't i wish i would knew more about those people so i was I like could, we have to call on your kids get, yeah <laughs> they would know the, it's it's tough it's tough when you because when you guys started the podcast mm-hmm. it was it did you start it as the anti-slut shaming podcast yeah it was always guys we fucked the anti-slut shaming podcast so i mean it was interviewing it was so that we could broaden the conversation beyond just our lives, especially because we're complete unknowns going into it. So no one, we're like, no one cares. But it turned into more like of a like a Laguna Beach storyline where the intro is like this audio reality show that you're following. So even though no one knew who, who the fuck Christine and I were at the time, they just became invested because we were airing so much dirty laundry. I think it's it's brilliant. I, the vulnerability and honesty in podcasting is the number one thing that gets people listening I think yeah and I mean it's a real savior in a time when I mean it goes back and forth but it's I still feel like okay well at least I have this platform that Christine and I kind of run on our own where if all else fails if no network would hire me because of my mouth like at least I still have this but then you still have to do maintain the fans and fans have so much power these days because 
networks are willing to like kick people off TV shows because of a tweet. And I think that's so dangerous when like the network or the corporation is not on the side of the artist, especially when you're working with comedians. Oh, like Kathy yeah. Griffin got fired from uh, the New Year's Eve thing. Well, that too. And be- but before that, from the fucking toilet, uh, what is it called? A squatty potty. So it's like you're squat. I will tell you, I fucking hate Squatty Potty because they also fired us. Um, so fuck them, fuck you. But uh, I hope they're not your. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, we ha- we're big Squatty Potty family over here. But yeah, I mean the product is fine. But it, it's just like you hired Kathy Griffin, and then th- you're gonna turn your back on her immediately. Like they take themselves very seriously for like a unicorn rainbow shitting prod. I'm like, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a stool to take a shit on. It's, it's, and by the way. <laughs> I don't know why we just don't make toilets lower. <laughs> oh no! Like I love a good low toilet. Yeah. We've been just sh- on the tour bus. We can't shit on the tour bus, so you shit in public. Oh, you can't. No, 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 no. Oh, big, I thought they no, empty no. it. Okay. Big, no, no. And so we shit in hotels or in restaurants, wherever we sh- or venues. Yeah. And I, one of my favorite things in the world is when you see a low toilet, like a low, like because the high ones, I I can't shit on high ones. Oh really? Yeah. I'm like I'm literally like. Uh, it's I feel like my butt cheeks are together. Uh-huh. My feet, it's, I feel like I'm riding a horse. Okay. But um, yeah, it's to just to reiterate, I don't support everyone walking away from Kathy Griffin when that photo came out. Mm-hmm. I don't support that. And even in the in the show, she said even Al Franken did, which Karma came back to bite him in the ass. I, I mean, I just think things have gotten fucking out of hand. Mm-hmm. Like, what what bothered me the most is like. I believe in justice. I believe in like, in like the old eye, an eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. And I believe in that a little bit, but that's not what's happening. It's like Kathy maybe like kicked you in the toe and we cut off her head. Right. And yeah. you're like, okay, now you don't get to work anymore. Mm-hmm. Half of them. By the way, you don't, you, you only need like a hundred thousand people to like you. You don't need the whole country. Mm-hmm. Just hundred thousand people, you can make a lot of money. If yeah, you, yeah, like you're hundred percent so, right. <laughs> like you don't, you know what I mean? I think that's exactly how many people like me, and that's I'm barely hanging on. <laughs> I got a hundred thousand right on the edge. Ninety nine point four guys. No one likes me. We can we can do exact numbers. <laughs> I think you only need seventy four thousand people to be honest. You can make a nice three million dollars a year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at twenty, like at twenty k, I feel like you can start like you know advertising a lipstick or something on Instagram. So yeah. you just do what you need to do. I think that's what. But I I what to go back to. What you were saying is what what drew me into you guys was the I and I didn't place it as Laguna Beach, but just the honesty and vulnerability. Yeah. And and, and did you guys know, know each other when you first started? Yeah, we, we we had already been working together for like three or four years as a comedy duo called Sorry About Last Night, which is like why our Twitter handle and, yeah. and Instagram and stuff is Sorry About Last Night. We were just working locally, and we had kind of like tried. We wanted to like brand like brand it. We wanted to do comedy that had a purpose but like not not heavy-handed like we were really hiding yeah. any kind of like message or just like nods of to feminism under like true humor not trying to force feed people some ted talk with an occasional laugh in it jesus christ i've seen those specials well, yes we all have and i mean and it also resets and then you know people who listen to the podcast sometimes think that that's exactly the kind of comedy special we're gonna like and i'm like oh you don't you just don't you don't understand you're at all. um I don't know. Before I met you guys, Ari Shafir had hit me up about you guys. Really? He's, he, he it's so funny guys. because we you don't talk artic- that You wrote much. an article, I guess, one time. Uh-huh. I don't know about some uh, Brooklyn, I don't know. 
You- a bro- okay, I think I know what he's like. A Brooklyn comedy festival that I I refused to do the show because they tried to send me an email saying that I couldn't talk about my own body in my set. I believe that's what it was a Facebook yeah. post. And he, I bu- love that he referred to it as an article though. It was an article. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, but um, it was in the Times. And then and then I kind of got into you guys and I was like I was like fuck yeah because here's my here's my thing about my brain and I hope everyone listening welcomes this mm-hmm. in their own brains. I'm not right. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I am not. Not one thought I have is right. I, I need to explore every side of every thing to figure out when I'm going to be right. I can't just go in and go. This is my idea. There we go. I'm done. Like I, 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 anything. The fucking Covington kid's a perfect example. I wanted to fucking light that kid up when I saw that because I, I because I was that kid at one point. Mm-hmm. The kid that was arrogant to the Indian guy. I was that kid. And right. then I found out that that's not what happened. The yeah. Indian guy bum rushed him, got in his fucking face, and he was putting... And then I went, I was that kid also. Mm-hmm. I was also that kid that where I, I didn't know how to behave. Yeah. And then I go, wait, I'm so glad I never said a fucking word about that. Because mm-hmm. I went from two ranging emotions of someone of privilege disrespecting someone uh, someone standing up for his own rights to someone who's a fucking lunatic. Apparently, the Indian guy wasn't even in Vietnam. Right. Yeah, and... To, uh, attacking a child, a child, and then I was like, "Motherfucker!" So when I found y'all's, y'all's podcast, I had I had legit problems with sluts. Legit, <laughs> legit. I love that. I just want that as a clip. <laughs> I uh, had legit problems with sluts. That's gonna be my new ringtone, Bert. <laughs> because, yo, please let it. And and uh, and because I had been cheated on, and I and and that's I think, re- that's super common. Yeah. yeah. And so I think, and as opposed, and then during. And then I got, I backed off of women altogether and was like, fuck oh, it. Wow. I was like, I was like, I'm just going to date dudes. No, I'm kidding. No, I go, I backed off. <laughs> I didn't even believe that part for a second. I backed off women altogether. When I started comedy, I said, I'm not getting involved with anyone. Uh-huh. And that's when uh, Sex and the City came out. Mm-hmm. And, and then I saw an empowerment of female, uh, female sexuality. sexuality yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and it kind of spooked me because my only, the only connection I had with that was sluts. Mm-hmm. Women that wanted to fuck often, if they were your girlfriend, would want to fuck other dudes also. And so that was a slut in my head. Mm-hmm. And then I see women wanting to fuck and not be in relationships. And I was like, nah, nah. I mean, it almost fucked up my relationship with my wife. Really? Really bad. Because she, I would have her come in and tell you the story if she was, if, if, I, if I could get her easily. She, I met her at a bowling alley. I had seen her a couple times. I thought she was cute. Yeah. And I was hit on her. She was kind of a bitch. I like bitches. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then we went to a yoga class together. Not together, but in the, with our friends were all ended up at a yoga class okay. together. And I was making her laugh, I guess. I was sweating a lot. And she just, <laughs> she thought I was funny. And then we all went bowling roughly like uh, maybe a week later, two couple weeks later. And she came up to me and said, uh, you, should ta- you should get my number. You should go out sometime. I was like, yeah. And my brain just went slut cool slut Mm -hmm. and i was like stay away the fuck away from her she fucks a lot just because she initiated she initiated it Mm -hmm. so i was like not talking to her and so i go i was like you know i'm gonna wait till i find the girl that i've got to you know Mm -hmm. i was like it's too bad i really liked her i thought she was different and so i go home and i'm you know fucking her i'm maybe two days later she calls my roommate and she goes how come um your roommate never asked me out and i just walked in from spin class and he goes i don't know he's right here why don't i don't ask him he goes, hey, this is that girl Leanne uh, on the phone. He was my roommate. I was friends with her. He's like, she wondered why you never asked her out. And I was like, 
like this. And he was like, come here, talk to her. And I was like, ugh. And I got on the phone. I was like, hey, what's up? She's like, hey, you never called me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I've just been super busy. I wasn't busy. Right. And she was like, well, you know, if you ask me to go out, I'll go out with you. And I was like, all right, do you want to go out? Like not wanting to do this at all. Yeah. And because I didn't, I wasn't into that type of woman. Uh-huh. Because those types of women in my head were the kind that fucked you and then fucked everyone else and then you got hurt. That's the way my brain worked. Mm-hmm. So then I go out on a date with her and she's cool. And I tell her at some point, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to just have sex with you. She was like, I'm sorry. Who, who the fuck do you think I am? Right. And I was like, I'm, you're a slut, right? And she was like, you said, you- are you fucking kidding me? And I was, and I was like, wait, right? And she was like, no, I want to go out with you and hang out. And I thought you'd be like, and we kind of, I would also love the woman who was, oh yes, you're right. I am a slut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and my, and I, then I found out who my wife was dating her. I was like, oh, this woman's not like that at all. Changed the game on the way I perceived women. And I was like, fuck man, I got so fucking burned by chicks. And then sex in the city came out mm-hmm. that I was like, I was like, so then when I, I, when I started listening to you guys, I was like, it's still hard for me to wrap my head around that I, cause I, cause I've only had sex with like six people, women. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I say people, but, uh, so Keep it open. Yeah. 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 Six women. <laughs> so like I was very anti promiscuity, but only cause I knew that it would fuck you over. I had so many chicks cheat on me growing up. Uh-huh. Oh, I probably all six. Okay. And or five. And so hopefully. <laughs> but that's when I found you guys, and and I think we had a conversation about that on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Is my da- it was me having a conversation with my daughter about slut shaming. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I remember that because it's yeah. I'm always very because even today you still see like the notion of like got like fathers being like I'm gonna follow you with a shotgun or no dating until you're 35, and that's just so damaging to yeah. say to young women. It really is, and I, I've been very cognizant mm-hmm. to be like you know yeah. Don't, if, put yourself out there yeah i think the key just like it's, it's like for parenting if i was a parent i would just to really separate like slut i mean like the word has such a negative connotation but like being such a great fucking word it is though. such a great word like we sl- used to call ourselves <laughs> sluts in college it's a great word what's up I sluts know. Yeah, it's such a great fucking. It's fun. Word. It feels good. I feel like it hits all those like Gary Goldman tips he's been giving out on Twitter, <laughs> like slots. Like yes, whore is also good too. But you got to say it like with like a Andrew Dice Clay, like a whore. whore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just to, to separate that from like uh, being immoral, because you can still easily be immoral, and like you know, there's a lot some like slut mentality where it's like treating men like shit, and like that's what you're talking about. But like that's not the kind of slut I am. I, I think I. I always confused amoral with an amoral slut with a slut. Mm-hmm. Well, now, hang on. I, I, now I'm fucking it up. Cause the- I'm just, it's just like, you know, you can, I have, my morals are very strong and I'm very like, I've never cheated on anybody, that kind of thing. But like, I've fucked a lot of dudes. How many? Uh, I mean, I have never given out a number just because people will be like, oh, the podcast is ending. Uh, but I mean, like, <laughs> ballpark. I mean, not crazy. Like, ballpark. Uh, uh, if you had to ballpark in it inside. In the 30s, I would say. Really? That's not, that's cr- not a lot. That's not. I mean, and it's not. Because I remember even watching Sex and the City and like there was an episode where they all make lists and like most people were coming out like 47 people. And at the time I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. But then, you know, you live in New York long enough and I don't have a lot of one night stands. A lot of it was just like fucking, you know, comedians that I would know on the side. I fucked a lot of comedians. I always say like my pussy could book a very subpar open mic so uh <laughs> never anyone that could help me i'll tell you that i've never 
<laughs> fucked anyone that could help me. But you know, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but I think you know what I think so uh, so important about what you guys do is that people need to hear vo- all voices. Mm-hmm. Like when you when you talk about anti slut shaming, it's it's. I remember the first time I heard that term. It was like Amber Rose, I guess, mm-hmm. did the slut walk. Yeah. And I was like, huh? She didn't even start this. The slut walk was already a thing, but like Amber Rose's slut walk was what kind of like made it super famous. What was the what was the slut walk? There was already a slut walk that uh, like that a non celebrities had started, and so like when you say like Amber, it is called officially like Amber Rose's slut walk. It is. Yeah, and it, and it, I love her because she, she's so. Is Amber Rose black? No. She uses the M word pretty freely. She uses the N word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did in a in a. Wait, I might be fucking this up. I was like, that doesn't... Am I thinking of a black China? <laughs> yeah, I was like, that just doesn't seem to me... I mean, I'm not... You know, I don't know everything Is... Amber Rose ever said, but she's very, like, progressive. I would say even more, like, left-leaning than I am. So I feel like that she just wouldn't say that. But she she does hang out with... Uh, a lot of black guys. Yeah. Well, and she, you know, she was... You know, we, we first kind of met her when she was dating Kanye. So she is kind of considered part of black culture, but she's not black. Getting fit and staying fit and being healthy is always easier said than done. Am I right? But You're now right. that's changing. That's changing, Leanne, with Open Fit. Open Fit is bringing you something new that makes it even easier to never miss a sweat session. Lose the commute to the gym and let the workouts come to you. What is Open Fit? Well, Open Fit takes all the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's brand new. It's super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room or your man cave or your tour bus in as little as 10 minutes a day. Everybody's body is different. And OpenFit gets that, which is why it's personalized to your needs with custom tailored original content. Super simple. Forget all the complexities. All you got to do is press play and work out on your schedule. 600 seconds with celebrity trainer Devin Wiggins packs the fat burning, muscle building, and body sculpting benefits of the much longer sessions into a fraction of time. Access anywhere from your your smart tablet, your phone, your Roku, your TV, if it's web-enabled. Results you can see lose up to 15 pounds in just the first 30 days. I've been doing a derivation of this product on my tour bus, but I haven't been staying steady with it because my schedule's been chaotic. And what I'm using is Hunter McIntyre. Hunter McIntyre has the uh, the... Tough Mudder workout. He is, it's training breakthrough from the four-time Tough Mudder champion, Hunter McIntyre. 30 days designed to get you ready to crush your Tough Mudder event, get in crazy shape, or just make sure that you can complete a Tough Mudder. I think that's the biggest fear most people have with the Tough Mudder is, can I even complete the thing? Right. Well, if you do Hunter McIntyre's workout, you know you can finish it. And I'm doing the Tough Mudder in Los Angeles, April 3rd through 6th. I'm not sure which one I'm doing. I think that's it, right? It's right after the tour. Yeah, I think it's fifth. A bunch of us like are that. doing it. And that's why I've been using OpenFit. OpenFit has changed the way I work out. And with my promo code BERT, you can join me on my fitness journey and make it your fitness journey, personalizing it just for you. Again, use my promo code BERT and start using OpenFit for your journey to a healthier life. Right now, during the OpenFit 30 day challenge, my listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit where you can lose up to 15 pounds in just 30 days when you text BERT to 303030. All you got to do is text BERT to 303030 and you will get full access to OpenFit. All the workouts 
and nutritional information. Start it today. Get ready for that Tough Mudder in Los Angeles. Again, totally free. All you got to do is text BERT to 303030. One of the most important things we do for our health every day is brushing our teeth. But yet none of us do it properly. Not none of us, but most of us don't. You got to brush for two minutes. That is 30 seconds per quadrant. Top right, top left, bottom right, bottom left. And with Quip, you can do it right, simple, and affordable, and even make it enjoyable. Quip has sensitive sonic vibrations, gentle enough for sensitive gums. A built-in two-minute timer pulses every 30 seconds, reminding you when to switch sides. A multi-cover use, which mounts to your mirror, which I use on my tour bus and on my home, where you can hold your toothbrush on the mirror or use it to cover your toothbrush and throw it in your backpack and brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just five dollars i love quip it's my whole family uses quip and that is why they are a sponsor on this podcast and that is also why they're getting backed by twenty thousand dental professionals quip starts at just 25 dollars, and if you go to getquip.com slash bert right now you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Bert. We all have that friend who's the first one to try things, whether they're super trendy or more of a guinea pig. <laughs> all I can think of is Chris D'Elia. When you make a choice, it's always nice to hear from someone who's been there, done that. Choosing the right software for your business is no different. Read thousands of real software reviews to help you choose the right software for your business on captera.com slash BERT. Captera is the leading free online resource to help you find the best software solutions for your business. With over 750,000 reviews of products from real software users, discover everything you need to make an informed decision. No matter what kind of software you your business needs, Captera makes it easy to discover the right solution fast. Join the millions of people using Captera each month to find the right tool for their business. I love Captera. The main reason being when I went onto the website the first time, the first thing they had was church solutions. And I thought, wow, they've really thought everything out. Church software. I bet there's tons of churches needing software. Yeah, right. And and you and if look, if anyone's gonna get scooped by those hustlers online in Nigeria, it's going to be church folk first, right, Leanne? You think? Leanne's got church folk in her family. To have one or two. Visit captera.com slash Bert for free today to find the right tools to make an informed software decision for your business. captera.com slash Bert. That's captera, C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash Bert. Captera software selections simplified. What was the Amber Rose tweet? She used the, I guess, oh, yeah, yeah. She used it. She used it in a couple tweets. Oh, she did? Yeah. but Like recently or? In, I don't know. This is the Kanye stuff. Because I remember right. she used the N-word in the Kanye tweets. And I was like. Well, because like the popular one was like, you know, finger in the booty ass bitch. Yeah, finger in the booty ass bitch. Right. I was the first time I heard you got bodied. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, it keeps everyone on their toes. <laughs> Uh, you got bodied by a stripper n-word is, oh, is what okay. she said okay she's gorgeous she is i gotta say she's there's three women 
uh, famous women that I've seen. In Wait, have life. you had her on your podcast? Yeah, I've been to her house and I've been For on her real? podcast with really? Christina. Uh huh. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Keep going. She, I mean, she's one of the most breathtaking. There's three people who I've met in, who are famous who are t- truly took my breath away, and she was one of them. And I mean, I'm telling you, she like greeted us like she had just worked out, no makeup, nothing. I mean, she didn't, you know, didn't barely has hair. Like just even her feet were beautiful. Like just yeah. everything about her was just like the most exquisite. She's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like gorgeous. And cool as shit and really confident. Like just, Dude, I really. I've never even heard her speak. I like, I, we really hadn't either. So we're walking in and like, you know, we're of course we're coming at this from an angle in which like we want to show people that like you can be a slut and intelligent and well-spoken, but sometimes it's a real fucking crapshoot, <laughs> you know, especially. <laughs> and... <laughs> You know, so we're just going in praying. I fucking love you. <laughs> I fucking love you. I mean, my feet. The I mean, thing, the thing that makes you great is you are just genuinely a comedian first, oh, and thanks. like, and there's an honesty and a bullshit that comedians like. Sometimes, if you if you guys had not been comedians and there was no connection to you know funny first mm-hmm. and then everything second, it would be exhausting. But the, what makes you guys your show great is that it's two comics first yeah and then we talk about what we're talking about keep keep going i'm sorry no but that's and that's the thing because like (laughs) feminism is really missing a sense of humor and still like we have to keep we we constantly have to remind people that we're comedians because uh people people will get really upset about stuff and i'm just like we're it's a fucking joke you know we're trying to make but yeah so she was she's just so so gorgeous and um i don't even i don't even know she married to wiz khalifa uh no, she has a child with Wiz Khalifa, but that and like that is like a a love like one of I think she like considers him like still a love, but they they separated. And so it's and so she what is she? She has a podcast. She has a podcast with. Um, How did she become famous? Uh, she model. Oh yeah, model. Yeah, model. Then dated Kanye, and then I mean, just as far as like, she's one of the best fucking hustlers I know. Just like knowing, see, like seizing the day, seeing that like I have potential. I mean, doesn't again hurt that she's breathtakingly gorgeous um yeah she's pretty tall i mean everyone's tall in comparison to me i'm five foot three and a half but yeah she's tall (laughs) and uh and and she did you know she she did the slut walk she created a slut box which is kind of like fab fit fun but for whores um i love it i get it and it's great because it says slut box on it so like to have your doorman be like miss fisher and just hand you a slut box like it's worth the slut box the money i alone. love that yeah that's fucking great yeah so you just like get lube i want to like, come up with a jackbox yeah you should jackbox Burke Kreischer's Jackbox. Hey guys, these are all the new toys that are out. <laughs> you should do it for sure. Or, I mean, or just something like just things to gain weight and get. It's, it's going to be hard to beat someone's hand. <laughs> it's, it's just so good in a in a moment. Yeah, but keep going, keep going. So Slutbox. Yeah, and then um, and then yeah. So she has a podcast uh with Dr. Chris Donahue, who is sounds uh, beautiful. He, he's he's very hot man. Of um, course. Yeah, and he's a sex therapist, and he, I love him. He's one of the few people who I always tell him anytime I have a conversation with him, I leave feeling better about life. And really? I mean, that's a that's a that's a tall order. So he just he he has um he has a book called like what is it Sex Between the Lines or something. Um, and he just thinks about sexuality and relationships from a very. Oh, I thought it was about sex from with football players. <laughs> no, sex no. between the lines. Yeah, it's when they stop and they fuck as they're <laughs> running for a touchdown. Did I get football right? I really I I winged it. Okay. How great is it to not care about football? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm so I'm so bored by football that I did my own uh, Instagram live halftime show for the duration of the football game. I got drunk. I baton twirled for people. They really liked it. So wait, who else have you had on your podcast that kind of blew you away? You're like, shut the fuck up. What's happening to us? I mean, my all time favorite, who is now my personal Jesus, is John Ronson, the author. Who's that? Oh. Uh, so you've been shamed. So you've been publicly shamed, which I wanted to bring awesome. up because it, and I mean, I, I bring this book up so much. And again, like this is someone who I've just talked so much that now we're friends. Hi, John. And, uh, but I have to, he has a wife. I have to be respectful. Yeah. Um, but that book, everyone needs to read, especially comedians, because at yeah. a certain point, everyone is going to have something where they get, they get attacked for a joke, a tweet, whatever yeah. it is. And it's really the, the toolkit you need to not fucking lose your mind. Well, give everyone talk because I read the book, but I can't remember it really. I remember, <laughs> like I'm good. I'll read a book, but then right. I just go, and then like I guess what I find important mm -hmm. is what sticks in my head. Sure. And the one thing that I found important was the girl that sent out the tweet about Africa. Yeah, she and was a publicist. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and she just like sends, sends this throwaway tweet, like going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. Like not funny, but also does not need to end your career. And she like barely had any followers, but somehow, you know, all it takes is one person to see it and then light it up. And then she gets off an airplane. And so she gets on the airplane, gets off the airplane. And basically like her life is different because of this tweet, because it was considered, you know, insensitive. And again, like not great, but uh, just delete it and mo move on. Yeah. I also don't know why, why like publicists even have their own private social media because that's just me just asking for trouble. Yeah, I, I, I think ugh, I have a lot of thoughts. I, that one fucked me up though because it I was did. like, yeah, because I read it and I was like, this is a Justine. I forget her name. Right. Uh, I, won't, I don't want to even say it because I don't want to. I know that she doesn't want to be connected to it ever Sac again. Sacco, I believe. That's that. it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but, I mean, everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. Everyone it's knows it's, it's it, she's got to live with it. But um, that was at the beginning of when all this when this was happening too. Mm -hmm. Now there's almost like a a little bit of like you you feel like Jesse Smollett's gonna be okay. Like <laughs> like you know like the Jesse Smollett thing comes out and it's and you're like well you know what. We forgive a lot faster than we used to back in the Justine Saka days. It it depends because we do we do and we don't. I mean, he's also coming from like I mean, I don't know. He's he's just coming from a lot like a lot of different because it's like you know the black community is angry, the LGBTQ community is angry. He fucked over those Nigerian guys big time. I mean, I would be the most angry if I'm. I'm those them. Nigerian guys need a fucking reality show. I mean, they could they could I, have been killed. You know? Did you did you see the did you see the video of them combing their hair together? No, I missed that. Oh, one. I was fucking like <laughs> glad you had time to watch that. Uh, yeah, I was like, it's all I've been doing is watching. <laughs> What 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 I think what outraged me out of the whole Jussie Smollett thing was that he was willing to to finger any two white guys that they brought to him. Mm -hmm. That's where. Well, and then everyone else, and it's this thing kind of we were talking about with the uh, the Co with the Covington is that um, yeah. because everyone's so thirsty for the story and everyone's so thirsty for the bad guy to be the guy that we want it to be. Yes, and we see that a lot in feminism. So, like when we, me and Christina were writing our book, I of course there was an angle that I wanted to be true, but I was like, I'm going to actually research this because this is what people aren't doing, and I'm so lucky that my best friend is getting 
doing um, uh, his PhD in, in sexual psychology. So I had access to all these academic papers uh, online from the college that if he wasn't in school, I wouldn't have had. So I read all these studies and stuff kind of mostly one of the things I was concentrating on was like sex work because it's like as a woman with a body who likes to use it sexually a lot, of course I want to say that sex work is not damaging, but you know, I've talked to a lot of people. There are a lot of organizations for, you know, porn stars getting out of porn. And I just really think, and then there's people like Tina Fey or, or Lena Dunham who are very anti-sex work, even though they've never been sex workers. And so it, it's, I, I just didn't know what to say. But I'm like, for me, at the end of the day, like, I love a statistic. Give me a statistic. Yeah. But like one from a college paper, not one from like rain.org. Rain, I love Rain. What's Rain is a like a sexual assault prevention organization, and they're phenomenal. But I feel like sometimes people are, just, you know, you, you can you can find the statistic you need for it's, anything. Like if you go to Rain.org, you would be like, everyone I know has been raped. And like, listen, a lot of people have been raped, but everyone you know has not been raped. But a lot of people, like more than you think, probably. Way more. I think it's. I think yeah. the statistics would be. Yeah, like way more. And so I'm like, I don't. I'm like, you don't even need to pick the pick and like cherry pick these like cool be cool in our statistics because they're so bad already the problem is and by by the way Mm. put a pin in where we're at so if we want to take any of this out what we're about (laughs) to talk about we can but the problem is i think i agree with you i think way more people have been raped than than we know of i think and certainly sexually assaulted certainly certainly sexually assaulted men and women but i think what happens i think what happens is when they blow up statistics like that Mm -hmm. and make it feel like i remember hearing jamie kilstein a long time ago back when he was Mm. super woke uh on rogan saying like like one in every three women have been raped and they were like that just seems really high statistics i think then that almost encourages a a mentality of what happened to aziz where the girl goes i was sexually assaulted and you're like by the way hold on right which one did we you me and when i did your podcast we got done Uh uh-huh and we were like and we're like, I think it was right when all the sexual assault stuff started happening. The Me Too started happening. Right. And we're like, hey, you know who's next, right? I think that was TJ Miller. And, no, was it? No, I. that's who I think it was. Oh. Because I had been tipped off by another comedian. Oh, oh, oh. Then that's not who I'm thinking of. Oh. But anyway, but anyway, but I think that's what happens is it makes it go like, uh, I wish I was better at analogies. If they say all... Audi five. If they say a percentage of Audi five thousands are taking off and driving into a fucking wall, okay. And one night you get drunk in your Audi five thousand and you hit a wall, mm-hmm. then you, your go to might be, "Hey, that's what happens to these Audi five thousands." Does that make sense? I see where you're going. That's not even how I interpret that for me it wasn't like someone was like did something that they regretted and uh made up a story which is i think the common thing that society i don't think that happened with aziz no i i think it's more like it's almost like women have kind of been told instead of telling ourselves for so long and now we are being encouraged uh so enthusiastically to stand up for ourselves that we're questioning everything in our lives and and going back and be like was that okay was that okay yeah. and so it's almost like making up for all this time that we weren't defending ourselves and perhaps sometimes over defending that's how i interpret that's, it that's what i meant to say. And it, well because it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's less malicious you know because i don't think it's less malicious i don't yeah, think I, I think she was uh i think I think she was super unhappy and uncomfortable and uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, and I also do want to do take into account, like even though Aziz is like physically 
pretty small because I know people were like, well, she could have fit. Like, yeah, I could fight Aziz, but there's still celebrity has power, you know, and you're at, you do. I try my hardest not to, but I mean, you still, if Marilyn Manson walked in right now, I would act a little weird, you oh, know? Uh, yeah. I, I've, I've, uh, I've allowed, uh, celebrities liberties with me that i wouldn't ever allow a regular person like touching or saying or uh slapping me as a joke oh really uh, yeah some guy did that that was famous mm-hmm. and everyone laughed and it hurt and it bothered me and i i'll never forget it and i'm fucking right and, and, but i don't had a regular guy that i would have fought him but it was a celebrity and mm-hmm. everyone was there and everyone laughed or it made things uncomfortable and yeah and i was like but that i mean that ha- that happened to me and i and I, I, so I understand what you're saying, the power of celebrity. Yeah, it's just weird. We act differently. And like, you know, at a certain point, you just you keep not telling celebrities no and they just do whatever the fuck they want. And then also because because you never tell celebrities no and like cele- celebrities, even though they are critiqued by the masses, are not critiqued by like the people in their circle. I think their behavior actually becomes kind of abnormal. Yeah. So like I can only imagine how, how Aziz acts on a date. Like if he hasn't been, you know, an, an, he, he's been known for so long that you actually behave in a way that is not like a normal way to go on a date with someone yeah i mean i don't i I don't wish any ill will or any career damage to aziz Mm -hmm. but i will say when that happened there are a lot of guys comics myself included who communicated internally going he was a dick he was a dick man oh that's the thing he was a dick yeah and he wasn't nice to anybody Mm -hmm. like he and so that's why Harvey Weinstein went down so fast because yeah. I'm like, listen, I had worked as an assistant for a long time, not at Weinstein, but in other New York based, uh, you know, entertainment business things. And, you know, it was, as soon as it came out, I'm like, number one, I believe it. But also, like, I've heard from other assistants that I know that he threw staplers in their face. So yeah. it's like kind of like, well, if anyone's going to go. That's the number one guy. thing is if you're a dick, you get you get called out pretty quickly. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah. Let the dick leave. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I love what you said. People want it to fit their agenda. Hmm. That's why this 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 case the, the the kids suing the New York Post for two hundred fifty million dollars the Covington kid oh oh okay or maybe the Washington Post he's mm-hmm. suing the Washington Post by the way everything I say put a fucking footnote in I don't really know I don't know facts really good so if I say something I'm wrong just know that I meant to say the thing that's right meant to say the right thing yeah um me too the kid that <laughs> is suing the Washington Post for two hundred fifty million dollars uh-huh. and if he wins it'll be fucking insanely precedent insane precedent because what I believe personally, I don't know if I'm getting myself in trouble, but I believe that the people at the Washington Post wanted that kid to be a racist. Yeah, of course. They're liberal and they wanted it to fit their agenda. So they didn't really dig in journalistically the way they should have. Yeah, and, and we wanted Justice Small to have been attacked because it's like, oh, if he's already been hurt, him. we wanted it to be too. And I mean. I, by the way, the second Jesse Smoltz thing happened, I call bullshit on my tour bus. I go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What two MAGA white supremacist guys watch Empire? <laughs> they go, they go, they go. Uh, hey, you're the, the gay guy from Empire, the son, the singer, not the manager, the singer. Your mom just got out of prison because your dad. Oh, it's my favorite show ever. See, I the one that got thrown in the trash can in episode two. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. I watch Empire. Yeah, that's who watches Empire. People who are obsessed with black culture. Right. Fucking love hip hop. Yeah. Like black people don't need to watch Empire. <laughs> yeah, there's no one wearing that owns a MAGA hat mm-hmm. that could name two characters off fucking Empire. Oh, my God. That is my opinion. But anyway, I apologize. You said because it is funny that everyone kind of wanted 
the Jesse Smollett story to be true. Mm -hmm. Because we want the right to be all evil and we want the left to be like all pure. I mean, I don't, but, but I mean, that's why like it's, and it's constant, especially with social media, because you can retweet something that's inaccurate so quickly. I mean, this was, this was something I talked about um, a, a while ago. There was maybe like a year ago, there was some, some tweet going around that like all these, uh, black women, black girls in like Washington DC were missing and no one cared. And I go, what? This just doesn't seem like they were just abducted all like all in the same week, you know? And I go, I love the way you just did your face. (laughs) And I just go, and I go, I absolutely believe that we live in a racist country. And I absolutely believe that like white stories are, are taken care of first, but I go, I don't think anyone's just letting kids go missing at this level in DC. A hundred black females. And everyone's tweeting and getting angry that I'm not tweeting. And and so I just like, and I mean, literally five minute Google, you can tell that like some of these people have been missing for like five years and they just like took all these things and pushed it together and made the Uh, timeline super short. And so what it is. But that's, but that's a legit story as I do think Mm -hmm. there are, I, I, I mean, that's a legit story. But the way they're packaging it mm-hmm. is what they is fitting the thing they want it to fit. Exactly. And all these and all these stories and even with the Covington thing, before I tweeted about it or whatever, I looked it up and I waited two days because because I just was like, I can tell who's tweeting it. And I also went through a process where I actually asked John Ronson. I was like, who are some people who are not liberal who aren't crazy? Yes. And give I followed them. Give me that I fucking can give list. Them. Because yeah. I, I want, here's what Here, I want. I, I want, the, right I want the, yeah. the liberals who aren't crazy and the, I want the conservatives who aren't crazy. And I'll keep people on my timeline. Like, I, like I'll, I, Ann, I, I, keep, I follow Ann Coulter and like, I, I, cause you, I want to know. It's like, I don't, I've like, keep your enemies close if we're just going from like a, a, a godfather mentality yeah. i don't understand people who want to block everyone who doesn't agree with them because number one that's not the world we live in and number two like i want to know what's going on on all sides dude i i mean shit goes down. the thing that's good about that open-mindedness and by the way i'm going to hold you to i want to i'm curious to know that list yeah i'm, I'm actually yeah i'm not looking but um but what's you know like there's a there's people that i don't agree with uh, politically, but I they opened my eyes to a brand new l- way of life that I didn't like. I didn't understand about intersectional uh, intersectional racism or intersectional feminism. I, maybe I mean, I, those are maybe, two different things. Maybe I still don't understand about it. <laughs> I never. I mean, intersectional feminism is much more used. I, I don't even okay, know if I've it, heard it. the term intersectional intersectional feminism. Right. Yeah. And I didn't know what that was. Right. And then, and it was. It basically deals with like the Lena Dunham type stuff, right? Well, I mean, inter- it's just it's just including everyone because I mean, like it's basically like white feminism versus intersectional feminism. That's what I was. And basically, if you are a feminist who is white, you're gonna at one point probably you know several times a day get called a white feminist. Um, yeah. Um, and I've certainly been called it many times and it's just like keep constantly keeping in mind that, you know, like, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, of course, yet the things I'm talking about are going to be like white feminists. Cause I've only lived the life of a white feminist. I mean, side note, I'm a Jew, so I'm, they're, they're taking me down, but no uh-huh. one likes to hear that. <laughs> the alt, cause, I, Cause I kept going, guys, the alt-right like hates us the most, but whatever, it's <laughs> not a big deal. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and, and so it's just like keeping in mind that like to keep other people's stories and perspectives and also like including trans, trans women as well. You know, so, so funny, not to, I'm, I apologize that I'm jumping all over the map. No, it's fine. My daughters, uh, we were talking about 
Nazi Germany yesterday, and they Ooh, were saying, lighthearted. Yeah, tell me about it. And so uh, uh, most, uh, not the most of our friends, but we have a group of friends that we hang out with. Four families. We call ourselves the campers. And uh, that my daughters were like, wait, if the if um, if that happened here, and they started getting Jewish kids, like what would how? And then my one daughter goes, how would they know that uh, that our kid, the certain kids, I've, I don't fucking know if I said their names or not, but like, how would they know Lily and Max and, and, uh, and well, Max is in trouble right away. Yeah. <laughs> how would they know that they're Jewish? They don't look like, how, how can they tell they're Jewish? And I was like, Hey, wait, that's a good question. And then I was like, wait, I wonder if, if like, I didn't know you were Jewish until you said that you're Jewish. And, and I'm then, not fully Jewish anyway. I'm also, that, I'm also Italian, so it's they cancel each other I thought out. you were Italian. Yeah, I'm is it the Is Fisher... Uh, yeah, I mean, Fisher, yeah, that's that's, that's Jewish. Jewish, right? But it can go either way. Yeah. Like, there's black Fishers. There's black mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jordan Fisher, com- comedian. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, I don't know. This story was going fucking nowhere. My daughters were just saying, how would they know? And then that went into a whole thing of me fantasizing about having to take care of all the families and hiding them in my house and, mm-hmm. and how fucking different that fucking world was when there could like when people were like that's it we're getting rid of all the jews and people were like oh, okay mm-hmm. and people compare that to today mm-hmm. do you think that that's a fair comparison like the, we were getting rid of the Jews, like we're getting rid of... Like the, the way of the Mexicans, I guess, <laughs> technically is what we're doing. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's different because, I mean, like, I mean, like, I guess like if we're, because I mean, like, that's like we're not allowing them in. Into we're the not country, yeah. kicking and them out or I think they're trying to kick them out. Them. I don't know. Well, I mean, I mean, but the thing is that uh, with immigration, I'm not as well versed in it, so it's a little hard, but I mean, they're immigration is constantly a problem and even though the ice didn't always exist i mean there's always people like you know parts of the american government who are trying to kick out people who are not did not come in legally yeah and i know not we're not supposed to say illegal immigrants anymore i guess we're supposed to be like undocumented immigrants i believe Ooh. is the correct uh yeah because uh, no human is the legal bird what i wonder oh i wonder what my joke is i go well uh, can't wait uh, to russian tweet it out taught, and ruin your career russian well it's, it's already out there with you. <laughs> uh russian forward talk in russian do you have any idea it's like going to class it's like going Send at the DMV. Oh, I wish I could remember the fucking pacing of it, mm-hmm. but I, I think I have a joke about that being a, an immigrant. Um, you're so fucking smart. Oh, thank. I mean, like, but do you? Read I'm the dumb one in my family, as my brother reminded me the other day. Well, he, he's so funny because my brother lives in Los Angeles, and we were catching up, and he goes, "My parents are so straight. Like that's the one thing about my childhood. It was very strict, and." We are held to impossible standards. And so my main thing in life is like, I get disappointed really easily because like my standards are for myself and for others are fucking impossible. And I mean, we lived in a house where if you brought home an A minus, like you'd be treated like you just got off the dumb, dumb bus. Really? And so my, and my parents are very smart. Like my dad got like a perfect math SAT. My mom is a brilliant teacher and my brother's an engineer. And so my brother goes, yeah, everyone, the way mom and dad talked to you about you, I thought you were an idiot my whole childhood. And then like I grew up and I just realized, oh, like sometimes she gets a B in math. Oh my God. <laughs> like, so it's just funny to me because like, yeah, I'm like smarter than most people, but most people are also dumb. No, but, no, so. but I like the way your brain works. I like. Yeah, I think it's just like I have my own my own like Korean way of life and it's, I it's, it's, figured it out there's, for myself. I, I feel like there's not enough people doing that. No. I feel like, you know, like 
I, I'm the opposite. I think my brain works I mean, just comedy only. Like I only have, I only think comedy. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if something doesn't serve me comedically, yeah. I just pass by it. Okay. Like I, like I really don't know what's going on with the, uh, the, 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 I know there's like a trial or something going on with, with and, R. Kelly. No, with, oh, oh no, I know that fucking, that, oh. Sorry, I was just you're, so excited to talk about You're not finding anything past me about hip-hop. I am obsessed with anything hip-hop. Well, I have also pedophilia? <laughs> no, no, no. R. Kelly, that, I watched that with my daughters. That was a mistake. Watched oh, it with yeah. my daughters in Utah. Oh, uh, what I mean is I'm glad that you, that you, they were able to watch that because I think that uh, documentary series was so I, But I've always, I've always had problems when people were like, uh, you know, pers- uh, Elvis met Priscilla when she was 13. Mm-hmm. I, that's always bothered me. Good, it, it, bothered should, me it, should. <laughs> it bothered me in high school. Yeah. I knew this girl. We'll just, we'll just call. Uh, I just knew this girl. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say her name. Yeah. We were in freshman year and she was dating a dude that was 25. Mm-hmm. And everyone was cool with it. And I remember so being fucking like, that's creepy as fuck. Yeah, absolutely. When I was 18, when I, t- I turned 18, my senior year in high school, I was dating a girl who was 15. And I, by the way, I'm not virtue signaling right now. I'm just telling you, I didn't have sex with her because I didn't feel comfortable with it. Yeah. Like we, I knew we were dating and we, but I just felt like I was going to college the next year. It felt like an irresponsible thing to do because I didn't lose my virginity until I was 17. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I wasn't, I, it was like in my head, I was like, I wasn't ready for it at 15. Cause when I lost my virginity, it was like traumatic. Like it was like fucking not fun. Oh God. Yeah, I know. I wish it had been fucking fun like everyone else's. No, most people's aren't fun. Yeah, well, I fucking internalized it because I'm Catholic. I felt guilty. I thought I was getting AIDS. I was like, I'm not, I'm not ready to have a baby. I'm not ready to start a family. I want to go to college. I want to live a life. I had all these things and I went, I looked at sex as going like, that is the thing that you need to do when you're ready for it. You can't just do it when you're not ready to have a family. That's part of the byproducts. Oh, wow. A whole family. Okay. Oh, yeah, because that in my head. Because I was like, I felt emotionally ready when I had sex, but not to have a family, just to have sex. Oh, I, but I was like, I'm not ready for an abortion. I'm not uh-huh. ready for all these things. Yeah, you'll probably never need an abortion. Not anymore. And so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I meant you personally will never need but, one. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but... And so I didn't have sex with her because I was like, I'm, she may feel like she's ready. She's not ready in my head. The yeah. next ch- chick I had sex with was in college mm-hmm. uh, when I was 18. I was like, oh, I think, I think I could be ready for this. I think I could figure this out. And I was ready. And I don't know. I don't know how this fucking spiraled into that. What were we talking about before I fucking, oh, that always bothered me Then when fucking older dudes dated girls that were under 18. It always rubbed me wrong where I was like, when he, when I found out he married Aaliyah, I was like, by the way. This is yeah. when he married Aaliyah. When yeah. that was, con- I was like, "Hold on, she's yeah. like fucking fifteen years old." Yeah. In my head, I was like, "I wouldn't date Aaliyah." Mm-hmm. Like, and I loved Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. I loved Aaliyah, baby girl. I'm the man from the Big VA. Want you come play around my way? Uh huh. And let's do what I'm gonna say. Dirty South. <laughs> you ever, you ever remember? You remember that song? I do remember that, that song. Absolutely. Yeah. I used to do, um, boy. I've been watching you like a hawk from the sky and die, and you were my prey. Pray. And then I, I used to do that on stage uh, when I first started standing. Oh, really? Yeah, I used to sing that. I'd sing the whole fucking song. Was there a no punchline? No, <laughs> <laughs> no joke. No joke. Just a little extra no bonus. No joke. <laughs> uh, my, uh, my, my art's always been, had a question mark at the end of it. <laughs> That's great. Things I've done on stage, I can just look back and go, huh? Take my shirt off. The, the, today's the first day ever in my life that I, that uh, my dad got on stage the other day. So he's 
freaked out about it. Oh, God. Um, no, not doing stand up. He got on stage with me in Tampa uh-huh. and he wants to talk to me about the energy. He's like, that's crazy. Like, 1,700 people cheering. That's crazy. Well, that's interesting that he that he felt that because I get a little overwhelmed every still every time the energy. I can't, like I can't. I <laughs> I mean my therapist like walk me through like creating a, a box around myself before I go out. It's a weird thing yeah. to go from what we do in small clubs like uh, like 120 seats like the cellar, uh, you know, 180 at the OR where you're where it's a job. It's a punch the clock job. You walk in, you do your set, and you walk off. Right. Because none of us really were drawn to the comics that were looking for the standing ovation in that room. It kind of ruins the room if you try to get a standing ovation. Oh, God. I, I knock jokes out of my set if they get claps. Dude. Uh, and so it's hard to go from that to then go into a theater and have, you know, maybe a thousand people excited to see you and embrace that because it's not... I, I would say it's disingenuous to the way we start and and develop our craft. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, because you, I mean, like you're constantly like having to earn it as a comedian. So, but yeah. I, but I mean, some I think who's was so, a famous comedian kind of was talking about it, like I don't know, like a Seinfeld or someone, and he was just like, you know, like they only they only really give you the first couple of minutes when they are there for you. And then you have yeah. to re-earn it again after that. Yeah. I mean, I'm great at turning um, my own audience against me pretty quickly. So <laughs> that's kind of my specialty. I'm known for it. <laughs> I bomb like the worst in front of guys. We fuck fans. Oh, really? Because they're, they're the, they're used to podcast cringe, which is, which truly is exact is really me. Yeah. Um, podcast cringe. Yeah. But, but, but I guess oh. it's just, you know, it's not, it's not coming across, Cross, it's 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 over a longer period of time, and so you're hearing words more separated. And when they're in a joke, they're so, it's so tight and it's so in your face and it's so undeniably you know what I am saying and what I am thinking that there's no way to misinterpret it or to interpret it in your own way, which you can do with podcasting. And you've also, I mean, not parts you need, not to be disrespectful, but you've also only been doing it ten years. Mm -hmm. In my head, I've been doing like nine years, nine years. But like, like that was like that is the threshold. For where you really start to find your voice. Oh, that's speaking of Ari Shafir. That's why he. It's so funny. Ari is like my like guardian angel because like we we're not even that close. We don't talk that often, but anytime we do or anytime he's mentioned, it's always like the nicest thing that he kind of did unknowingly. And uh, he like he oh, okay. had. Hang on, hang on, Dad. Oh, I'm sorry, course. Dad. <laughs> did you, did you my, answer? I guess my dad. I answered the phone, and <laughs> we were just talking to my dad. Oh fuck. <laughs> do you want to text him or no, something? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> Poor dad. Jesus Christ. I heard his voice. I was like, is that my dad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so but Ari's an interesting guy. He he is a big fan of what you guys do. Well, he and he and we we actually have the same touring agent and he kind of he's he was like, I had this thing in my head that I was like, I need to go back and go unannounced like feature for people because that's you know I've been I've been like open but and then I went to headliner and then I did there was no and I was like that I shouldn't be headlining yet like I can but I I missed a whole middle section of like earning people's trust and laughter in a room where they came to see someone else they didn't know that I was gonna be there they don't know who the fuck I am and I'm gonna do 20 minutes and I have to make this work it's a great it's a great way to develop 
your muscles. Yeah, and that's what I had. I had been begging my agents to do, and they're very against it because, of course, it's not lucrative. Like they, yeah. like they, like you know, they can send us to a theater where we can sell out like two thousand seats, or they can book me at this Italian restaurant for seventy people, where I'm going to get paid like fifty, like fifty bucks, like that. And that's what I wanted to do. Um, but it's important for your development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Ari and just serendipitously was like, oh, I wanted to talk to you. And that's basically what he was saying. He's like, it's a, such an important time for you. You're eight, nine. Like, it's where you're really, like, defining exactly what your voice is a comedian's if you be. If you took off now in the way that, like, that some people have, mm-hmm. where, where you're nine years in and all of a sudden you're selling out arenas, yeah. it it stunts your growth. It yeah. doesn't allow you to develop in what, into what you could be. It's the real... It's the This is, uh, once again, choosing my words wisely, but saying something stupid... It is the real problem with female comedy, female comedians, is that the industry is so hungry for them right? that they pick them out before they're ripe. It's, just, it's, 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 and it's anyone besides like, like I, be, I would say like straight black and or white guys. Like those are yeah. the only two people who like they're always working, but like any other type of person, the industry is so hungry for. So just getting ahead. It's, it happens to, it happens yeah. to uh, skinny young black guys. They, the industry needs is always looking for a new ship. Skinny shipper. young black guys. Skinny oh. young black guys get pulled out. Quickly. Oh, because I was just like men, like straight men in general. I white mean, dudes, white dudes maybe get not the Asian, luxury, yeah. and it's not entirely a luxury because mm-hmm. I'm sure our suicide rates are higher than anyone's mm-hmm. in this business in comedy exclusively. Yeah, God for but sure. Single, uh, like straight white dudes get allowed the luxury to do stand up anonymous for 20 years, mm-hmm. and so then 20 years in. People discover you and they're like, God damn it. You're so Who the fuck is good. Bill Burr? Right. Oh, Bill Burr did stand up anonymously for 20 years. Right. Anonymously. Yeah. Put out two specials on Comedy Central. Anon- no one fucking saw them. Oh, gosh. And then, funny, yeah. and, and it's just, that's not, that's not a, for- that luxury is not afforded to women usually. You Women, it's like the fucking, let's go. We got half this population is a female. They're hungry for fucking female comics with a voice. It's it's what happened to Amy. Amy was Amy was a a competent comic, you know. So funny. I mean, I I have known her like she was in my yeah. junior year student film. Yeah. Yeah, she was a competent comic that was loved comedy. Was a diehard comedy fan. Was in was aggressively in the scene, and then all of a sudden, this world was like, "Yo, we got our voice." And I think Amy had had to shift a little bit of what she was talking about she got called out on it and and they were just younger jokes and and that that woke group wasn't allowing her to have been a different person and then they thrust her to be this one person and then she's like fuck makes a great fucking movie and it's like things are moving so fast you don't have time to put your ski boots on you're literally Mm -hmm. like hauling ass going fuck why wouldn't i do a netflix special fuck let's do another netflix special okay i can do it come on come on let's take three movies three movies i'm fuck why not why not why Mm -hmm. fucking not has she been a straight white dude she'd be fucking 45 years old and all these opportunities would show up and she'd be like oh i'm very ready for all this oh yeah yeah yeah, i can definitely panel on code i can do i can do everything and I'm not gonna and and I will probably stay a little truer to my voice. Mm-hmm. But uh, I saw the trailer for her nep- new Netflix special. It looks good. Oh, I didn't see that yet. I, I just, just I just today. saw that it was what grow- growing up was right. Yeah, it's growing. I, growing. Yeah, I think because it's a play on. Oh, the oh, okay. I guess that was another. But I was like, like saw the. It's just her face. It says Amy too. Yeah. All the billboards. I love it. But um. But yeah. I mean, I, th- I feel. And so what I think Ari was saying. What I th- I like about what you said. Well, it was great. Was, it's great when someone you uh, when you admire says the same thing, 
uh, isolated from what you were thinking and telling your agents all along. And then also I can go back and I'm like, oh, well, Ari also said, yeah, <laughs> this is what Ari told me to do too. So now two of us are saying it. I mean, I didn't know my voice. I, I did that entire Comfortably Dumb special. Mm-hmm. I am not embarrassed of, but I look at some of the jokes in there and I go, what the fuck was I doing? That does not even look like you. I know. Holy you see my shit. Set list. My set list is uh, is uh, black people, Mexicans, Asians. That's oh my whole my fucking set list. And you're God. just like, you look at some of it and you're like, ugh. I don't know. I mean, some of the jokes I, st- some of the jokes I stand by, some of the jokes you just go, but also comedy expires and it, and it needs yeah. to be allowed to. I mean, if you go, I, I went back to watch uh, Eddie Murphy special and it starts with like 10 minutes on faggots. Oh, uh, like, you go, man, what? <laughs> I don't like faggots looking at my ass. Yeah. And I mean, I, and it was fuck around and get AIDS. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, Korean, you're comedian. You just, just sit, sit through this. But it's I mean, tough. it's tough. I was like feeling like feelings in my chest. Dude, all I could think it was, was hard. All I could think was the 10 gay guys that probably worked on that special <laughs> had to be like, that was great, Eddie. You yeah. know, you know, we're people too, but it was it, of that time. That was like, I mean, I, rem- I remember AIDS. I remember AIDS vividly. I had two uncles die of AIDS. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, by by relation, they mm-hmm. were my uh, my uncle, my godfather, uh, married a woman who had two brothers, mm-hmm. uh, and they both died of AIDS. But they were very close to us. We all it was very small Tampa uh, part of our family. Uh-huh. Most of our families in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. And, uh, and the. Th- I, the, both these guys were cool as shit. Mm-hmm. They were really great guys, and I knew them, and I knew them very well. Uh, I was young, so I would hang out with them, mm-hmm. like I would do stuff with them, and uh, the things that people said about them when they got AIDS was uh, mm-hmm. super aggressive. Yeah, I mean, like super aggressive. Uh, the things that my, I mean, not, not to be shitty, but my other uncles said about them mm-hmm. that weren't blood related yeah. were really shitty. And, uh, but it was, and now you would never say that. You would never, ever, ever say that. But I remember that that was the norm. Mm -hmm. These gay guys got a disease and they're all going to die. And that was the, that was your reality back then. Mm -hmm. I remember watching it on 2020 when 2020 first covered AIDS and I went down to my dad and I was like, I think I have AIDS. And he was like, what? And I go, I've got these marks on my, he goes, those aren't lesions, buddy. Those are freckles. And I was like, oh, but I thought I got, I mean, AIDS was such a fuck. It's like being around during a plague yeah. and surviving it, not knowing a lot of us are going to, a lot of the straight guys are coming out of this. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember, I remember. And then you look and it was such a release of emotions when someone like Eddie Murphy was like, stay away from faggots. And you're like, and in a weird way, as a kid, I remember watching that kid with my, especially with my parents downstairs and everyone's howling, laughing. You're like, oh, I don't want AIDS. Yeah. And no one had any facts about it. No one knew any truth about it. Right. It's but it is interesting to watch that Eddie Murphy special and just cringe. Yeah, and as a culture, I feel like we're we're just constantly like we love when people like get hurt or damaged from seeking pleasure. That I mean, because that's what it, that's what it is. I mean, that's what the AIDS slut shaming. It's all like even like people who are overweight, like dude, because it's like because it's like oh you didn't like it's like. Yeah, that's that's all it is. Of course, I can I tell you. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I've been doing hot spin lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get the room up to like I think I, I don't I don't know how hot. 
uh, but I think like a hundred, hundred something. Spin's already so hot. And it's, dude. <laughs> yeah. It is. I do soul cycle. I love soul cycle. I'm like I very love into it. I'm like ashamed how much I like it. Uh, I love basic bitch stuff. Are you going, are you going to soul cycle tomorrow? There's a great one in Hollywood. Oh, I, is there? Yeah. I, 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 I would, tomorrow? I would dare you to come to this hot spin at 10 o'clock tomorrow after morning. I'm doing it with my sister. I'll pay for you if you want to go. They have shoes you can rent there and you will, it, it gives you anxiety. It's 55 minutes. I'm afraid I'm going to actually die. I mean, I'll go, I'll go for, I'm pretty good at like just going for stuff. I think my, I think my cousin, I think my two cousins are coming with us. Wow. Yeah. My two cousins, both the ones whose, um, whose uncles were the ones that died. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. Well, I won't bring that up. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, (laughs) but, um. I said to myself today, I got drunk last night and I went to soul, to spin, the hot spin, and I thought, what if I what if I had a stroke in here? I was like, you know what? No one would be empathetic. That what they would say is, mm. of course, he's 247 pounds. What the fuck's he doing? I was like, you look trim, actually. Uh, 246 today. But, um, <laughs> I noticed, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, but they go, of course. And if, it's like if, if I... If I if I got cancer, everyone would be like, "Yeah, of course. Look at his lifestyle. He's a mm. fat fuck." It's like you're right. People love slamming those seeking pleasure because everyone really wants to seek pleasure, and so it's like almost like you're like whatever you're hangry, but like you're hangry for whatever it is. If you're if you're keep not allowing yourself those those pleasures, yeah. But because everything in our life tells us not to seek too much pleasure. I mean, like even like American culture, like everyone laugh makes fun of us, but like we really don't relax very much in American Uh-oh. culture. And religion certainly not telling you to do anything enjoyable. So yeah. all these things, your parents are on your ass. You know, your husband or your wife, like you're not working hard enough. You got to do this and yourself. I certainly. I'm my biggest enemy as far as that goes. Yeah. I like I, I literally have a joke about how I don't know how to have fun, and that's what I'm working on. Like oh. in therapy right now, like that's that's the kind of things I'm working on, like having fun. Are you serious? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the kind of things I'm dealing with. <laughs> I'm an expert in that. Yeah, no, I, I'm I, an expert in gluttony. Yeah, and that's why it's really good to have Christine around because she's really good at like treating herself, and so, and then I'm really strict, and so then together we kind of we kind of come in the middle and it's get so things funny. done. You have a hard time having fun. Yeah, I mean, like I love like a like a psychedelic, so that's why I love psychedelics. So because it's the one time where I I'm not gonna be worrying about something because it like lets my mind relax enough that I can enjoy the time. Do you smoke weed? I'm. It doesn't do anything for me. That's why I do like mushrooms or LSD. I've done DMT. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what about what about like uh, like this is gonna sound super silly, but like sometimes. I'll just say to my wife, hey, let's rent the big slide, get the big slide, the water slide in our front yard, mm-hmm. and then just call our friends and come over, and we'll just drink and do the slide all day. See, I would absolutely do something like that, but I would structure it so much and like make a theme that it would make it unfun for myself. Everyone else at the party would have fun, but I would not oh, have fun. That's interesting. I'm like, a, I'm like a notoriously amazing party planner. I've thrown some of the best parties that any of my friends have been to, like Killer, but I... I I just it has to be like so perfect that I end up you know day of just worrying about everyone else because because like I kind of also like know like I'm gonna be fine and it irritates me more more when people around me are complaining so I'd rather kind of like take it and like be a little unhappy rather than listen to other people complain or have them not have a good time or enjoy what I'm doing because for me then it's like I failed at my own party because I know I can throw the fucking best party but like I gotta really put my all into it my wife says my wife says I can throw a party 
She goes, you throw a great party, but you don't throw the party at all. You just tell everyone, hey, we're coming over to our house. Okay. So and, then, yeah. and then she goes, all you worry about is booze and meat. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is up with like, who the fuck does the rest, Bert? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'll go get a brisket. And then we got Tito's. Let's have a party. And so all I give a fuck about is, I guess I'm very selfish because I just take care of myself in that scene, in that mm. essence. I go, we're going to smoke a brisket. We're going to drink. We'll throw the TVs on. We'll watch some football back here. Uh, what about snacks? I don't know. What do we, what do we, like, I don't think past. Let's get the big slide. Right. I think about my knees. I'm a very selfish. I need to go back to therapy this week. I do mine on Skype too. Yeah, it's but like I, it. Do you ever feel, do you ever uh, not tell everything because you're afraid someone's recording your Skypes? No. Well, me either. <laughs> That's no. I just, I wish I, I can feel people's energy a little bit better in person. So I wish I could like meet, like, I, this, like I've actually never met her in real life. She yeah. like, lives in Florida. Um, but yeah, no, I know. I, I'm like, my nickname is the Halloween Nazi. <laughs> Going back to the party thing. The Halloween Nazi, what yeah, do you mean? Because I, I have fantastic Halloween costumes. Everyone knows like Halloween's my holiday. Like if you want to have the best Halloween ever, spend it with Corinne. But uh, I'm so serious about it that it becomes not fun. That's again everyone else has fun just not me because i'll be up and like i mean my costume has to be so spot on i'll be like watch like for, i was like the joker this year but i but i got this um like custom made latex uh suit so it was like this very interesting take on it and of course it had like a political statement because i'm like yeah comedy's under attack so i'm gonna be like ha ha oh joke. my god like, i mean it was fuck i mean this is all in my head too i'm not like fucking explaining this to no everyone. yeah yeah no that's great but i mean i just had to take everything too far oh i just went in blackface this year <laughs> Dude, i remember i remember when that was a costume oh god in yeah. the south i remember i said to uh, ali sadiq and i were doing a podcast a long time ago and i said I said, do you remember when like blackface was okay? And he goes, it was never okay. And I went, right. no, but I meant like you saw it around. And he goes, Bert, you did not do it in front of black people. Only you saw that. And I was like, oh. Yeah. I mean, I, I to this day, I swear to you, there was a picture on Facebook that's gone now. Uh-huh. Our cheerleading squad uh, in like 1986, 87 came out in blackface to Babies Got Back. Oh my goodness. Uh, not, not like, I don't want to like, smear them into the they didn't have like the red lips and the I mean it wasn't like good black it wasn't like Jolson story yeah, yeah it was right. just like like uh brown paint on their face and and wigs mm-hmm. and I, I mean I I don't think I was I wasn't outraged when I saw it so I so it put me in the the lump of bad people I just it was just I was I was like how that worked you're like oh right. you know but, I was always I think I was always confused about like if you want to dress up as like a character but I mean like I was storm in the fourth grade and just as a white person uh, I but have, then would people get mad if I did that today because I'm white and I was storm I just fucking love storm yeah they, my they, favorite character they probably would because you would go no they I don't think as a costume they wouldn't mind it um but uh I never I have a problem with makeup like it it I don't like clowns oh okay. so like I've never been I've been in full face makeup once in first grade okay once in first grade i dressed as kiss and the whole time i i could i can't close my lips because i'm afraid it's going to get in my mouth and that grosses me out it does taste bad yeah yeah and so i just like this the whole time i did the thing there's a picture of me and i'm sure in my first grade yearbook and i'm going like this because i can't (laughs) it's like creaking a huck out and so that's the only reason I know I never was in blackface because I could I would find the whole, if there is a black picture of me in blackface it's me with my lips aggressively out like this 
but and that's even worse honestly so yeah it feels worse there's a picture of me in war paint one time mm-hmm. uh and one of my friends was like dude you got to take that down i was like huh war- oh. like just fucking like do you ever see dead presidents where it was like a mm-hmm. it's like a, almost like an orca spot over your face yeah what well, I, I don't know oh, people gosh. get fucking people get I literally could talk to you for fucking hours. You're oh, such an easy conversationalist. It's yeah. no, it's no fucking wonder. One, like once you sat down and started talking, it's no wonder you guys have the fucking biggest podcast in the fucking world because it's <laughs> top, top five, top five, whatever. <laughs> I, 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 you were about to correct me. Yeah, no, no, no. I was like, no. I mean, there's so many podcasts now that it's it's just not that it's not the same. But I was like, your podcast is always up on the. No, I I, I stopped looking at all of that. I stopped looking at a bunch of things because things were holding me back. Let go of that which does not serve you. Mm-hmm. Is that that's my fucking? Oh, that's it. and that's the first thing. Kind of you, you said when we sat down. It's so interesting because uh, we, Christine and I, both broke up with our boyfriends. Really, just we didn't tell each other. Like I had, I didn't tell anyone for a month after I did it because I just needed to digest it like privately. Yeah. And it was because the relationships weren't serving us, which is the exact like terminology we used. Mm-hmm. And you just have to, and that's so important. And I mean, even things like saying no to like going to a party you don't want to go to, just like you, you, I think you can be selfish in those ways. Saying no to, uh, I, I love saying no. I can, I can now a lot easier say no to things that I don't like because Mm -hmm. I don't want to resent you. Mm Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if, if I do it, I will do it because I'm your friend. But then right. my, our friendship's gonna suck mm-hmm. because I will resent you. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know it's like it's like oh it's my assistant. Hold on one second. Sure, of course. Hang on one second. Hey, what's up? Yo, did you uh, see my text about the cabin? No, hold on. Uh, I'm on. I'm on a podcast. You're on the thing. <laughs> oh shit. So no. Okay, I'll call you back. All right. Bye. Um. So yeah, but uh, I and. I have friends like Tom Segura will not do something he doesn't want to do. He's probably my best friend and he would he's very I remember one time I got offered a reboot of the man show. Well, maybe I probably shouldn't be talking about this, but whatever. Uh, I'm really people, I, I'm I actually really happy you said that cuz I would love that show to come back. But. Um well it wasn't the show that it Oh, okay. It was so what happened is uh, uh okay. maybe I'll say out of the legal parts of this. But anyway, someone has the rights to the man show. Mm-hmm. And they hit me up and they're like, We want you to do the man show. Uh-huh. And I was like I was like, that would be cool. Um let me think about it. And I talked to a couple people, a couple people that had done the man show previously, said that they thought it was a bad idea. And and I and I said the only way I'd do it is with Tom, because you know and Tom wasn't a name back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was building his name. He'd done a his Netflix special. He was starting to tour, starting to sell tickets. And I said, "Hey man, would you do the Man Show with me?" And he's like, "Nope." And I was like, "All right." And I was like, "I'm out." Right. I was like, uh, "I was like, I'm not doing it." And he was like, I, "He goes, I, I, I'm not, I, like, if you if you need me to do the pilot or something, I'll you know, but like, right. I, I just I, we're not gonna like it, and and I'm not gonna want to be there, and I just be doing it because you're my friend, and you're like, oh yeah, that's right." And so Tom has no problem telling you what he needs or what what he wants. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm not good at. I'm not good. I'm I, I don't often tell you what I want or what I need. Oh. And I just do with the thing you need me to do, and then I fucking resent you. <laughs> I'm really good in real life. Like I, my mom always was like, "You're a really easy kid to raise because it's always even even though the things you want were very hard to get or hard to achieve, and we were like spent hours driving around for like a piece for a Halloween costume. She's like, you always made it clear exactly what you wanted and That's, what you needed, even though it was so extra. Great. That's so great though, because mm-hmm. my oldest daughter doesn't tell me what she wants or what she needs. Mm. My youngest daughter. She is very direct about what she needs. Yeah, and and it's I think it's just so much easier if you just 
just tell people what you need because then we can all like work together instead of like trying to decode whatever you're thinking but you know working in it with a comedy partner that's like the one time I feel like sometimes I like I just always don't want to be like the Debbie Downer and I totally am but it's it's also like a lot of things coming into my decisions like I definitely stand up for myself a lot I have very specific like vision that I have for my own career trajectory and then also I I have a, a background in talent management so I feel like there's like things I can see that sometimes just as talent you can't see yeah um because I've just been through this so much with other people you know I've seen other actors you know famous actors come in and cry over failures or heard you know industry execs call people who are not fat fat and like I just kind of like know other stuff so I'll want to say you know and I'm like just trying to get better this year about saying no to things like I really don't because every time I say yes to something I don't want to do I end up like causing a scene walking off of something because like once I'm there if I don't want to be there anymore I'm gonna walk off <laughs> I walked off in the middle of a fucking live podcast they being at the village underground I mean the staff apparently thought it was hilarious um because the person deserves it but you know, Podcast. I Luis J. Gomez. No, oh, we re- we me and Luis reconciled after yeah. many years. That's what I heard. Yeah, we did, but you know, it's okay. I love Luis. We we sat down and had to talk about it because I don't I don't want to be mad like mad at anyone. It's too much energy, and plus my list was getting very long of people that I didn't want to see. So at a certain <laughs> point, you have to let other people back in. <laughs> oh, that's fucking great. And I love Big J. So I love Big J. Big yeah. J is one of the uh, you learn a lot from good people mm-hmm. you know and like big j texted me one night and he was like hey man i'm really glad that we've gotten t- closer and been able to be friends and i was like yeah i was like i wouldn't say that to people i just i'm afraid to text them i'm afraid to be just I'm, out of nowhere he said that? yeah just That's out sweet. of nowhere yeah and then i was like i was like hey me too man i would never have said that that but that means a lot that you said that it means a lot to me mm-hmm. it, me- it means a great deal to me and then he was like hey next time you come to new york why don't you fly in a day early and we'll hang out and i was like yeah, as opposed to doing, sh- yeah. So I flew in last time I was in New York. I was, I texted him. I said, "Hey, I got shows like whatever. I, th- I had something to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Promote the special, I mm-hmm. think." And I said, "But I think I'm gonna fly in Sunday. We want to do something Sunday night." He goes, "Hey, Sunday night, we go to Wayne's house and watch uh, YouTube videos and get high. You want to go?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's so what I we f- do on Sundays." <laughs> yeah, and it was really fucking fun. Yeah, and it was no responsibility. It was just hanging out with a friend. Ari's really good at that of going like, "Hey, man, let's go do something." Ari's really good at being vulnerable too. He, I don't know if everyone sees that. The first time I met Ari, Ari, Sam Tripoli, Big J. There are certain people that affect your life because they do something cool. Sam Tripoli, I was doing a. Um, uh, and there's lots of these guys. These are the ones that come to mind. We, I was doing, um, we were doing a National Lampoon show on the Santa Monica Pier. Mm-hmm. It was like 20, 40 comics maybe. Sam Tripoli walked up to me and said, I didn't know anybody. I was a New York comic out in LA, but I just moved out to LA. I was had a TV show, but I didn't know anyone. And I just, and I, I didn't talk to anyone. I was standing by myself. Sam Tripoli came up and said, hey man, uh, I think you're hilarious. I love that uh, touching the cop's face joke. Are you doing that tonight? I said, I am. And he goes, that's a great joke, man. I'm excited to see it. And I went, I'm Bert. And he's like, I'm Sam. I was like, I'm excited to see your set. Sam destroyed. And we've been friends ever since. Oh, okay. Ari Shafir came up to me at the improv one time. And he goes, my name's Ari. I think you're very funny. And I went. <laughs> that sounds just like him. And I went, oh, I think you're hilarious. He's like, you do? I was like, yeah, I think you're great, man. I saw The Amazing Racist and it made me laugh my dick oh, off. Oh, my God, yes. And, and he was like, oh, Okay. And then he said, and I don't know if this is entirely accurate, the timing, he said, because I was in the room and I'd said he's funny, he wanted to impress me. So he did his jam- his joke where he took his dick out. Do you ever remember 
that joke he had. I don't remember. Guys I've seen are, his dick, but I, that's for another. Everyone's seen Ari's dick. I know we asked him to take it out because he had just gotten a vasectomy. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, uh, guys are guys are always ready for a blowjob. I'm always ready for a blowjob. Watch. And he dropped his pants and his dick was out. And he was oh like, see, God. I'm ready for a blowjob. And he got banned from the improv for like a, a month for <laughs> that. <laughs> That's very sweet, though. I know I get nervous when people like, like with Ari, like he'll be in the room. And I'm like, please, everyone needs to leave the room. I'm like, yeah, I, don't, I, I only want fucking audience in the room. Get by the way, the by the way, yeah, it's, it's, I think we're all like that where I go, hey, I'm cool with no one being in the room right now. Yeah. And I know you guys don't give a fuck about watching me. You're only doing it to be polite because you're like, oh, I'll go watch Bert, you know? And I'm like, no, 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 don't. Just get, 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 get. Well, I, I try not to tell people like if I'm going to watch them because I, I've just for me, I know it makes me feel like weird. Oh, sometimes I'll tell I'll go like when uh, like Tom's going or Christina, I'll go, oh, I'll go watch you in the back. I'll, I'll, I'll be, give you a good laugh. <laughs> Christina will be like, get the fuck. Please do not watch my fucking set. Oh, my God. The only person who I always loved having in the room uh, was Kevin Meany, no matter what, because no matter if you were bombing or killing, like his laugh yeah. would, f- would cover the entire room and you'd feel like a fucking superstar. I got to get you out of here. It's three o'clock. We've been talking for two hours. <laughs> what time? You've got to you've got to go. Oh, yeah. No, I was like, I, I, I looked at all the um, lengths of your podcast and uh, timed the next one accordingly. So, Perfect. We, but we're, whose podcast are you doing next? Uh, Sklar Brothers. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Dumb People Town. Mm-hmm. I've done that. It's a really fun podcast. Yeah, I, was, I think it's like the third time. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah. What? Uh, when? Uh, when do you? And um, when? When was does guys guys we fucked ever come out to LA and do podcasts out here? Uh, have we ever done it live out here? I don't know. We I don't know if that we have actually done the podcast out here because we when we tour we don't really do the podcast because I we want to do stand up like I'm like yeah. we're not touring if we're not doing stand up um so we just usually do a show at the main room in the comedy store and like invite some people like we got, like got Dane Cook to come on which was for me was like crazy Fuck I mean yes. I was like obs- I like I was obsessed with Dane Cook in college to the level where like. I was like, well, if he just meet, meets me, he'll, he'll lo- fall in love with me. He just hasn't met me yet, you know? Yeah. And then um, I told that story and he uh, was able to listen to it. And it was very embarrassing, but also fun. <laughs> Dane's an interesting very guy. Very sweet, yeah. He's uh, I'm, He just hit me up to do my podcast. And I was like, oh, can't wait. Yes. I've known Dane for a very long time. Yeah. I've known... It's amazing how long you've known people. Uh-huh. Like Brody just passed. I've known Brody for 20 fucking years. Yeah. And you're like, I know, that's... It's so insane that you'd know someone for that fucking long. I don't, th- there's guys I grew up with that I thought were my best friends. I only knew them for like five years. Mm-hmm. You know? It's about the time, like the time that you spent together and also what you are doing in that time. So I feel like every comedian, like I can feel close to a comedian like a year because we're going through the trenches together. Yeah. And the comedians can connect a lot, I think, a lot quicker than the average person because you cut through the bullshit too. Yeah. And it's like all the fucking there's a lot of shorthands we don't have to worry about we don't have to dance around about mm-hmm. with each other that i think other people do mm-hmm. it's like that old thing that i remember stan hope said a long time ago oh i would much rather hang out he goes people think i hate dane cook i would much rather hang out with dane cook than with someone one of my fans who thinks who wants to talk bad about dane cook mm-hmm. he's like i would much rather want to hang out with dane cook mm-hmm. and you know you know you forget dane's like a fucking mega movie star and very wealthy and big comedian but he's also just a comic i mean like at the at the f- tail end of it everyone started it's it's almost like a it's almost like the thing that makes a fraternity good is going through the pledge ship because mm-hmm. you go no matter how cool you think you are now w- at one point someone yelled at you and made you hold a uh, pumpkin pulp in your mouth right like that's you at one point you had to get naked and stand in a room with a paddle behind your back with a blindfold on and a roll of quarters and a 
thing of Vaseline. Like at one point you had to be taken down, broken down. Yeah. And that's what I to tell everyone. Like, I'm like, anyone who's like a high le- like level comedian selling out stadiums and stuff. I'm like, even if you don't think they're funny or I'm like, I can guarantee that they probably worked very hard to get Dude. there. So like, that's the one thing. And I'm like, yeah. every like, comedy is like, if there's a comedian who everyone in the room thinks they're hilarious. I'm like, that seems to me like a very vague comedian anyway. Yeah. There should be a couple people who are like, I don't get it. Cause it's not your kind of comedy. There's a, uh, there's, you, you look at Russell Peters flying around in private jets, doing arenas, do, traveling the world. The mm-hmm. bi- probably one of the biggest comics in the world. Yeah. I remember Russell Peters who was handing out flyers to get people to go to his show That's so that cool. seated 120 people. Right. That's the guy I met. Yeah. That hustler, that fucking sit down with me and Patrice and Rich Voss at a fucking uh, chip shop in in Scots- Scotland and just hard sell himself come on guys you got to come see my show come on guys like yeah that's that he's always gonna be a comic that comic yeah and i love that part because i loved i love seeing people because you're like oh seeing people like an amy schumer you're like okay this makes it so much more tangible for me like when you see someone else being able to do it you see the steps it wasn't so oh, yeah smoke and mirrors it wasn't like some agent that you never met like you're like I saw this person go through all the things and now I'm going to go out and do all those things. I saw, the, I, I know an Amy Schumer who we would call up, this is how broke she was, we would call her up and go, hey, we're going on vacation for a month, our house is open, do you want to stay at our house and hang out in Hollywood for a month? Oh my gosh. And she'd be like, yep. Oh yeah, there's someone using my apartment right now, like yeah. watching my dog, but I'm like, yeah, but you don't know roommates. And I mean, I'm paying them too, but like. Amy would just yeah. come out had our our car if she needed it. My sisters lived down the street. Yeah, she'd go down, smoke out with my sisters, go back to our house. That sounds sleep. great. Yeah, was, I've done that. Yeah, yeah. it's so fun. Well, our house will be open. <laughs> I would totally stay at someone's house, and also it's just like sometimes easier to write in an, in an environment that is not yours because they're like, well, I can't touch everything here. I want I want to rent this to a comedian. My wife will never do this. I want to rent this house. I want to I want to buy a new new house, mm-hmm. and I want to rent this house to a comedian who is. Uh, young starting a family because because it, it's uh, this house has got such good energy. It's such a that's, lucky house. That, what a sweet and I, like and thing. I want to make it affordable for yeah, him so it's not like he's very not sweet. He's not like fucking. But then of course my wife's like fucking rent it for seven grand. Fuck that guy. <laughs> but I think there would be I think this would be a place where a comic could really fucking take off because mm-hmm. like, I always felt comfortable leaving my family here because it's a nice house. It's it's secure. It's safe. Right. Sometimes all you need is like a little, you know, kind of like a gesture like that. Even like when I quit my like real job uh, to pursue comedy and I like got like a dick around job as a receptionist at a spa. I was just so thankful for that job because you just need some you you need something to help facilitate the other things. Because like when you, you you honestly like when you're working towards being a comedian, like we just stop worrying about the everyday things like eating or like paying your rent that you really need to concentrate on, but there's yeah. no time to because it's so competitive. Yeah. <laughs> now my brain's going, all right, I got to get you out of here. Of well, I'm going to go do a something's burning. Do it. You're, you're doing the Sklar brothers. Yes. Um, what time is What time are you going out there? 415 is, is my call time. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> This is, it was a, a seamlessly great conversation. Thank you. Thank you, you so much for having me. I you're appreciate fucking it. absolutely fantastic. I love everything about you. I love the way, even on things that I don't understand or don't agree with, I love hearing your perspective because it opens my mind. And I'm fucking not, I refuse to be the old man who's not listening to anyone anymore. And well, I'm, and we all need to listen to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Every, people need to listen. And I, I, I'm fucking so happy I met you guys so long ago. And, and, 
and continued success. Thank you. The Thank podcast you. is Guys We Fucked. It's fucking amazing. You, I know you already know about it. If you're listening to this, you definitely have already listened to that. But, uh, but thank you. This is so sweet. When I, when do you ever leave a podcast like tingling? I feel very good. Thank you. Bert. I tingle every time I leave Rogan. I love it. But it's it. usually for marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> You're very sweet. Thank you, Bert. Uh, yeah, thank you. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.